Because, you know, they had no clothes on. They probably was ass naked. Nah, not like that. They had the strict, man, we had the strict rules about you had to be, first, remember Miss Lewis was like, you got to have uniform on on the camera. Mm-hmm. Remember like when she said, first said that and all of us, all of us just looking at each other like she can't be serious. serious. They just got uniform shirts on, bro. No way. Nah, they did. They kids was not wearing no uniform for no online learning, bro. Yeah, they was in you was getting a shirt, shirt. Anything, bro. Yeah, bro, you happy the camera was on. That was the first battle where they have to make sure they can't, their clothes are on for the school uniform at school at home. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. Most, most of them probably didn't even take a shower before they. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Absolutely bro. not, bro. You already know the vibes. It was up to three in the morning. Bullshit. Yeah. Playing the game, playing Fortnite, <laughs> doing Roblox, Absolutely. Among Us, all that, bro. It was crazy. I'll be asking them. They be telling me, yo, I was up late, Mr. Mr. S, man. I'm sorry, man. I'm tired today. Bro, what you talking about? You up late. Where are your parents? Like, you like 10. What are you right. talking about? Fuck? Right. I was, I was right. on Among Us. No structure. And that, that's a big fact, man. And I used to create their own little Zoom links and everything. Yeah. And everybody used to be up there. And then they would complain about being sleepy or tired. <laughs> At eight or nine o'clock, some of them would still be laying in the bed. Computer would be on. Oh no, nah, bro! There's a line. You, you can you can not wear your clothes, but you're not gonna be in the bed, bro. Fuck that. Nah, bro. Like straight up in the bed with sheets nah. on and exactly. everything like we're not that. Doing that. Yeah, rags, bonnets, all that, that, bro. They was bugging. You might find their mother or something like that, or a father, or grandparents, uncle, whoever, walking around in the background, about that to go God. take a shower. <laughs> But but that wow. that has happened on the camera a couple of times, bro. Like Word, I, naked I've parents? seen it, bro. Yeah, yeah. and and oh then I, I, I I literally had to like stop the kid's camera because I'm like, Dad, like, for one, I don't want to see that. But then part two, I know you don't want your other classmates to see it either. I mean, was they was they bad though? <laughs> what? I mean, I'll be. Probably not. Typically, no song. Typically, Typically no. no. They walk, I bet. And they walk around like that, no song. Because you got to think about what type of person is going to walk around with a camera on, butt naked behind it. That's not a person that's self-conscious about how they look or take, you know, consideration about other people, you know what I mean, view of them. So that's a good, that's usually, a good fact. Yeah, that's a fact. You got somebody that's juiced out walking around on the camera, son. You're not trying to see that. It's their grandmother, <laughs> their auntie, their great auntie. No, sir. Yeah, you're right. 60, you know what I'm saying? Sagging. And then the kids be like, yeah, my mama home. And I'd be like, yo, like, we yeah. can clearly we can. see. Yeah, we see right. that. Welcome to the Verified Podcast hosted by Brandon and Kiego. Uh, today, we have a special guest. We are joined by financial literacy advocate and co-founder of Elite Options Investments, uh, Ryan Lawrence. That's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> now, I kind of fucked up with the last time we did this. Um, I didn't let the, the guests introduce themselves. So please, Ryan, uh, use this time to introduce yourself and tell us about what you do with Elite. Glad to be here first and foremost. Appreciate y'all. Um, as you've already stated, I'm Ryan. And Elite Options Investment is an education first platform in which we provide service for the diaspora in order to leverage stocks as well as crypto and then some other things, right? Like that's the most important piece here along this financial education journey is to make sure that people are prepared to know that inflation kills, as we see in the market. Mm -hmm. So savings accounts that have been marketed to Black people for so long or CDs, they're no longer adequate. So we have to find our own place and space in the market and then use that to achieve financial freedom. So that's what Elite Options Investment does. That's that part. I read your bio and I was a little curious about uh, what Steam was because as a gamer, I'm familiar with Steam as like a gaming software, but not really as a financial tool. So would you mind like explaining what that is? So Steam is just an inclusion of arts and science, technology, engineering, mm-hmm. and mathematics. 
So all of those things go together now, especially even as it relates to financial services, because you have so many people that are able to use their cell phones to get into the stock market to invest. But beyond that, though, is a mindset. So you want people to bring their authentic sales, whatever their background is, because you have a background in engineering or maybe you're a coder. Mm-hmm. then you can develop some type of an algo to help you. Or you can look at a programming language such as R, Python, or whatever the case may be and say, cool, these are my trades. This is how things has been going. And look at it from a more analytical perspective versus the guesswork, which some people do is just like, oh, I think this, or I think that. Mm-hmm. But we sort of kind of try to incorporate all of those things because it's very important because the market is very dynamic. But your background right now, such as a person that may be and chips or either in cyber, they can bring a completely different perspective about what is happening. Mm. Use that information and leverage it to say, all right, cool. This is a solid company right here that's involved in this aspect of things, AMD, for example, or NVIDIA. And then next thing you know, you may have a person that is a gamer that is in the arts that says, hey, the Omniverse, that is what NVIDIA is working on. This is how this relates. or this is the metaverse. Something that traditional people in the financial industry may not necessarily be thinking about. So that's how we sort of kind of try to incorporate that as well into our platform and really leverage that because that has been one of the key pieces that a lot of Black people have been in, right? Either mm-hmm. it's from gaming or either it's just this whole push to get more of us into science, technology, engineering, mathematics. But we have a lot of people that do music and are creative. So want to leverage that, especially on the NFT front as well. That's right. So I was just about to say that, like you can see the artistic side of it and like what everybody's doing with the NFTs or basically using like Ethereum as the currency that is like directly connected to being like a creative or an artist, Uh, even though like the NFT thing is kind of dying down right now. But uh, maybe like a couple months ago, it was like very big if you were doing, you know, wanting to get into the crypto art scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that was a very strong thing you could do to basically put your artwork up on the blockchain for Ethereum and trade your stuff that way. Well, yeah. it makes you say the uh, market is dying down when you like see you like monitoring it. All right. So, yeah, um, I mentioned, you know, Christopher was doing the whole, uh, yeah. you know, the what is it called a uh, one off thing. They doing that. Mm-hmm. So right now it's just kind of slowed down a lot because it's just become so oversaturated. You know what I mean? At first I it was a little that, bit. Yeah. It was a it was it's still a the, the, the entryway is still very high since Ethereum is trading at like a much more expensive price. Right. Mm-hmm. Than it was initially. I want to say over the summer. Uh, let's say back in August, you can get one Ethereum for maybe like $85, right? Mm-hmm. But now it's, I don't even know what the number is. I had to look it up, but it's, it's way up there 3K. now. Yeah, yeah. Bro, just for one, for one Ethereum, right? That's pretty so, cheap though for a cryptocurrency, honestly. But I mean, but you got see what I'm saying? It was 85 and like all Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, no, no, comparatively, speaking, yeah, in that trend, saying, that so, time frame, yeah, of course, yeah, that's a crazy yeah, percentage. So show, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So like they bought a whole bunch of uh, crypto art and their stuff was like, when they did it at first, it was like estimated at like $50,000 worth. That was like their portfolio worth that. Now it's got to be way more than that. Because you know what I'm saying? Just the price of Ethereum itself is way up, is up way higher. It's kind of like the market got oversaturated with people just putting anything on the blockchain. Because the verse it was kind of mm-hmm. like walled off, not walled mm-hmm. off, but it was like, only decent or like cutting edge or unique ideas was put, being placed on the blockchain. But then when you got those people that did it, like the little monkey, I can't remember what it's called, like the cyber or monkey, yeah, the boy, they, yeah. cyber something, whatever it's called, cyberpunk thing they did on the blockchain with all everybody just basically drawing the same image, but then changing details of it and dropping like a thousand, like we dropped a, a set of a hundred. It's like almost like making it into stickers that kind of oversaturated the market and ruined the whole thing. So everybody just started putting anything out. You start seeing celebrities like D Wade or Shaq everybody putting all these random little images up. They don't really know what's going on. They just know it's a commodity that they can trade and they don't really know that they kind of devaluing it by putting so much stuff out like that. 
Uh, so right now it's kind of seen as, you know, in my mind, it's almost like a boondoggle. You know what I'm saying? It's not really worth it investing into it right now because everybody trying to do it if they do art. You get your little baby sister to draw a little stick man and put it on a blockchain for $50,000 and it might sell. <laughs> it might just go off. You don't even know. That's a fact. And then like Twitter is also like the main pushing component of it when it comes to like Ethereum and like the blockchain when it comes to crypto art. If you're not popping on Twitter, more than likely you're not going to have no traction on whatever you drop. Um, so it, it's like it's also integrated in that. So you got to really be into that social media aspect, especially to the Twitter world, like particularly, um, specifically Twitter. Um, but right now it's just kind of slowing down, bro, from what I understand. I think it all depends on what ecosystem you're in, though, because I mean, when we look at the the development of NFTs, most people don't know that NFTs actually started on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. Um, the counterparty with Rare Pepe, and that was 2015, 2016. This was really before Ethereum really got going. So you had that, and you have a lot of OG Bitcoiners that are really in the NFT space, not per se from a capitalistic perspective, but from a collector's perspective, from mm-hmm. an art based perspective. Right. Versus now, things have moved completely into all right. This is a creator. I'm doing this. I'm trying to make money from it. We have this community. How can we then leverage this technology? So you had a lot of people that were paying significant amounts of money in fees and gas fees on ETH. Now you have the proliferation of other layer one chains such as Solana, such as DOT, such as Algo, and and many others. So now the ecosystems are starting to change. So you have NFTs that are now being minted on Solana. You have NFTs that are now... Mm -hmm being mentioned on Algo. So it's just like what other ecosystem is going to be more user-friendly. So although activity may be dying off in the Ethereum ecosystem, if you right. go to their layer two, such as Polygon, IEmatic, you'll find more things popping off there. If you go to the Solana ecosystem, you see a lot of things that are happening there mm-hmm. as well. Algo, they had their whole blizzard type of situation. So the ecosystem is still growing and developing, yeah. but I do agree with you in terms of, it's just a rotation to me from one ecosystem to the next that is rooted in how can we get the most out of this with the least amount of fees, what is going to be easier, especially from a capital perspective. Because I right. mean, you could mint an NFT gasless, as they say, or mintable or, or another platform as such, but then you're not able to really sell it. But if right. you put up a couple thousand dollars, <laughs> you can turn that couple thousand dollars in the Ethereum ecosystem to a couple million, if you will, if you did things right. But mm-hmm. then how much does it cost for Solana? It'll be a fraction of the cost. How much would it cost for Algo? It will still be a fraction of the cost for those people to create. So then it's just like at some point in time, people start to get priced out because if you only have a couple hundred dollars and you're trying to get your art out there, would you want the majority of it eating up in fees? That's the issue I had too. When I first, like, cause I was trying, I put like maybe two things on blockchain and I was just like, it was like, I was working at, you know, our current job, but I was like, man, I don't really want to put no money in this. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing. So I was like, man, let me just put like a little bit. And I was just like, man, this is crazy. But uh, moving on from from that, at the same idea, we're jumping off from that same idea is like the metaverse might become a very powerful proponent when it comes to NFTs and crypto art in general, because it's going to become a question of like who owns the original piece. Like you could put things that you own on blockchain in your like meta yeah. house or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like even when people are creating um, these worlds, like because you can go to different worlds and stuff like that in VR. 
they're like they're integrating NFTs into those into those worlds where you can make like you could have specific items on your avatar that nobody else can have, you know, stuff like that because you own it on the blockchain. Um, I saw them talking about it on another podcast and I was like, that's super interesting. But I still think they're free to play or like free to like, you know, explore. People are still going to be doing great things. But I think once it becomes more like a common way to move about and show like status and class, I think that might be another way that people might identify themselves or distinguish themselves online is by having like these exclusive NFTs, like having almost like having some rare Jordans or something. You know what I'm saying? In real life. Yeah. Like I got the 1992 fuck you, fuck shoes. Hey, nobody got these. They only released <laughs> 20 of these shoes and I got 19 of them. Nobody else can wear them. So I'm amazing. So, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be the same thing on like blockchain. Yeah, especially from a collector's perspective. Mm-hmm. The power of NFTs to me is what can be embedded in the metadata because mm-hmm. an NFT is just something that's unique. Non-fungible token. That means that although you and I could have the same shirt made by the same company, the serial number is going to be partially different. So my might be worth more than yours. Yours might be less than mine's, or it could be worth more depending on if the creator then decides that shirt number 253 is going to win X, Y, Z or get additional privileges. And all of those things can be coded, right? Like it may be like their special number or something, and that's how they move forward. So when you talk about people even going to conferences and things of that nature, you have this sort of kind of proof of attendance protocol that an NFT can be given now. And then just imagine somebody saying, hey, you attended XYZ concert and this was a piece from it. You could mm-hmm. then take that and sell it or leverage it because somebody else now wants the art to that. And we sort of kind of see mm-hmm. Kanye in a sense doing something or trying to do something similar now mm-hmm. with Donna too, in terms of, hey, if you really want to listen to the album, then you have to buy this particular thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's not within itself an NFT, but the logic would start to flow and follow. If you want access to this particular system or you want access to this particular song, or this now gives you access to this speaker at this particular time, then it adds some utility there. But me in general, I'm not really a big fan of NFTs. I want to say it beyond a collector's perspective. I think artwork is, is really dope, but I'll be interested in seeing how does it really fare right. once we go into a bear market, especially with all of the saturation. Where's the value really going to be derived from? Is it going to be from the underlying coin or token that is built on? And or is it actually going to be from the artists and their community, which is sort of kind of like a traditional art perspective, if you will, because right. most artwork gets additional value once the artist has died. How How is that going to relate into this metaverse-ish space where things can sort of kind of live forever? Right. Where is the true value going to come from? Or are people going to be like, oh, that was so 2020. This is now 2030. We don't like this type of art anymore. This was cool then, but now it's significantly out of flavor. And that's, I mean, that's what you still see from a collector's perspective. So I guess sort of kind of uh, interested in hearing the mindset of people that are all about collecting it with the mindset of flipping it from a capitalistic perspective and seeing, hey, when the last wave hit, are you going to be left holding the NFTs or are you going to be the one that can actually cash out? Because this asset is, for the most part, illiquid. You need a unique buyer that wants to buy your unique piece. Will it always have a match? Right. And we start to see that right now starting to unwind where it's not really the case where 
people are able to sell a lot of the NFTs that they've purchased. But you have other ones that pop off. And right now, I know a person that put 170K into an NFT and now it's valued at half a mil. Whether or not they can sell it, I don't know. But uh, that's what they say the floor is right now. So that's always unique terminology to me. The floor is this. That's a house. (laughs) No, tell me about it, bro. Man, shoot, I had to read. I had to read that message like three times. Jesus. Well, I mean, I if that person has that much money to invest in, uh, I don't think they hurt it for anything. Else. It's not like a crazy risk. Scamming. Yeah, this this person is a crypto OG as, as well, mm-hmm. so they might frequently sink a hundred k, two hundred k into a project. So Jesus. I like it. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> I like know, it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of times it pays off though because it's about momentum, you know, yeah. and that, and that's what a lot of people are doing right now, especially those that have a little bit more wealth and come to move around. You follow their momentum, so you don't you don't really care necessarily in a in a in a full sense about is this thing really going to last? Is what is happening now? Right. And how do I multiply my money? And then you go from there. So then it becomes something that's really strategic on their end. And then they just wind up moving things back into Bitcoin and Ethereum at mm-hmm. the end of it all. And they've done fairly well. You know, you talk about during the first DeFi run, they purchased Link at 30 cents or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. And then it, it went all the way up and they made like 1.5 million from that. So... It's all about flipping. And now they really don't even own crypto outright. Like they're doing a whole bunch of things in the NFT space. And it's a flip, 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 flip. And I'm just like, man, <laughs> pay your taxes though. <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's all I got to think, bro. Like pay your taxes, man, too. So, so way, somehow you're getting, you're getting all this bread, man. Shoot. Or get livestock and never have to pay taxes. Apparently. Okay. <laughs> So, um, Ryan, uh, we talked about this a bit off mic, but tell the people where you're from. And uh, also wanted to know, how did you come to discover your passion for financial uh, for finances? Um, I read that you were initially a chem major. So what caused that that hard pivot? So um, I'm originally from North Carolina, born and and raised there for the majority of my life. Always spent time in other places, though, because my mother, she stayed in New York. We had family in D.C. So you could find me in D.C. or or New York or wherever the case may be. A lot of times Um, going to visit. But home was always in North Carolina with the understanding that we had family history and lineage from Jamaica and Nigeria. So we used to connect with with people on that side Mm -hmm. as well. And how in the world did I wind up getting into chemistry and then financial literacy? So my grandfather, he had a garden. And that's what I grew up around. So yeah. I would raise a garden outside and whatnot. And we would always talk about that part. And that is how I sort of kind of got into the whole chemistry route later on, environmental science and things of of that sort, because it was important, right? Like you needed healthy food, you needed clean water. And right, right. that was that was that way. But it was really 2008, 2009, where I received this little envelope from my mother and it had up there a bank statement. Bless her because she had, you know, she tried to do right by us a little bit. And on the front of it, I saw a savings account. Cool. Had a couple thousand dollars in it. Nothing too crazy or anything like that. But I saw the interest rate and it said like 0.25%. Mm. 
or it may have been 1.25%. I think it was more so 1.25%. And I was like, cool, that's all right. And then it had a couple more pages there. So I, I was flipping, I was flipping, flipping through the pages and, and just reading in the back of it to see what's what. And then I saw something that said 12%. I was just like, what is this? Because this is what we need to be in right here. 12, 12 is definitely better than this one that's <laughs> over here. Why, why are we not in that? So then I read through it and they said, okay, cool. You at least need to have $250. And I was like, we have that part. And then I saw a little asterisk. So I said, hey, like, what, what, what is this? How, how is this? And they said, well, it's invested in the stock market. It's a money market account. So I was like, shoot, I told my nephew, who, who is the same age as me, I was like, yo, like, we need to do this. Like, we don't have a lot of money, but like this 12%, this can definitely kick off some things. And we're about to be 18. We can now start to invest in the stock market ourselves if that's what we really want to do. Lo and behold, another couple of weeks came by. Another statement came and that account was no longer offered. So I was just like, what happened? And it was the whole financial crisis. You can no longer guarantee 12%. You can't do those types of things. So that really got me to thinking. I did not grow up learning about the stock market. My grandmother and whatnot had um, a third grade education. She was born in 1929. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather was born in 25. So they they really weren't well well, financially versed in terms of the stock market, but my grandmother taught me the greatest lesson. <laughs> it matters not how much money you make, it matters what you keep. So then I was just like, cool, like that's really good. We, we want to keep the money, but then the money ultimately has to grow as well. So then that led me to learn more about finances and then what is it? Because the only thing I heard about was buying your own house and property. And then I realized, why is that important? Well, that was due to redlining. And then black people being pushed out of certain areas and not being able to do certain things. And fast forward today, that reminds me of all of the stuff that has happened in Brooklyn with gentrification, all of the things that have happened in D.C. as well. Right. Northwest, you, you had that type of thing happen. It's just not gentrification. It's actually cultural displacement. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's really ultimately how I started to get into financial literacy and then came around Bitcoin. Heard about it in 13, really got into it in 15 and started educating people on it since then. So that's that's the journey right there. And it's been one that I've had to learn a lot about because things change. Things that's change amazing. significantly. But one yeah. of the things that hasn't changed is the wealth of Black people in the U.S., which is unfortunate. That has been my passion um, to really make sure that we leverage that because Black people are told a lot of things and told that we can do a lot of things, but we get kept out of the financial ecosystem, either from the accredited investor side and or just simply having access to quality loan, fair house appraisals, like those types of things. So it's not just enough, again, for us to learn about how to save, but we have to figure out how to invest and really move forward in that light. So that's my journey there. It was a... um. It was like maybe a two a month and a half ago, I saw an article on a black family. They wanted to sell their house, right? So instead of them being there for the showing, they got like a white friend of theirs to be there and be the there in their stead, yeah. like yeah, in the same, like this to sell the house for them, basically. So people would come visit and see him in the house, a white man. And then the price went up like it was like 20K, 30K or something ridiculous just because he was white. It was a white man in the house. So it's like that's definitely, you know, a hundred percent fact when it comes to like that's the volatility of or how volatile the housing market can be and 
even stocks to some extent, when you talk about the example you just gave where they were offering 12% and then, you know, you checked in, what was it, a couple of weeks later or a week later, and then it was just gone because the bubble yeah, burst and everybody was broke. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's always what makes me like kind of nervous about it, going to invest in stock um, and stuff like personally myself. Plus, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like <laughs> the same thing as paying taxes. Like, I know like at work, Man, Ryan be going around telling everybody all the little, like, not the cheats, but, like, what you can do and what you can write off and stuff. He big brain when it comes to the tax thing, man. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So it's, like, it's always interesting hearing stuff like that. And uh, But if I did invest in stock, it will always be, like, in future technology stuff. Like, I remember when I was in high school, they was um, creating spray-on solar panels. They were trying to invest in that technology. So, but, like, you would spray uh somehow i don't know how they would do it you you the scientist man you the chemist right but <laughs> but it was like the idea was you'll be able to paint the house with like these some type of adhesive spray that will act as a solar panel device so you can like get energy into your home through this sprayed on salt like solvent or substance and it was like yo that sounds crazy same thing with um fuel cell technology which is like dead now right from what i understand they don't they're not really investing or looking into that no more but uh, fuel cell technology was another thing when they're trying to get into um, hydrogen power. But um, Elon Musk basically killed that whole industry, <laughs> the introduction of like his batteries. But even with that, it's like what they going to do when he run, when we went out of co- when we run out of cobalt. I don't know what Elon Musk is going to do because everything he do is run off that lithium, that lithium battery. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to find out another energy resource just for, you know, Tesla to run because he all his batteries is basically made off cobalt and all that other stuff that makes batteries. You know, what I'm, saying? I'm not a scientist, Ryan. So. <laughs> I'm over here talking like I know what I'm talking about, but I kind of, you know, I'm, hey, I'm, I think I'm in the right direction. It. I think I'm in the right direction. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm like 30% sure I'm in the right direction when it comes to that. But, um, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there are definitely some, some limiting factors, right? And and that's where you, you hear the whole natural resource talk, even mm-hmm. especially as it relates to EVs and things of that nature. Right. The minerals that they need are, are definitely coming from the earth. So if you don't have, the correct number, even nickel, right? That that's another huge piece Facts. that is there. You you'll also need that. So if you can't get it and it can't be sourced, then there's definitely going to be a bottleneck. Um, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give everybody the cheat code really quickly, if you will, or something simple. Two pieces. One, the S and P 500 over a 20 year period has never been negative. It's always been positive over a 20 year period. So if you have someone. That says, hey, I don't know how to get started with investing. One of the easiest things to do is to look up what's the S&P 500 and invest via SPY or VOO. And and, and that's it. (laughs) That's it. And if you do that nine times out of 10, what will wind up happening is you'll beat like 70 to 80 percent of hedge fund managers would get paid millions to billions of dollars each year to manage other people's money. So, so that's like that's chat. like an easy code, man. That's like an <laughs> easy code. S-P-Y-V-O-O, um, Q-Q-Q, right, which is tech. So those are some of the easiest ways, um, really and truly, and just have a real long time horizon. For most people, what, what they go into, though, is this idea that they can make a lot of money really quickly and that they have to choose individual stocks. Now, with individual stocks, it can be a hit or a miss because mm-hmm. at the end, like Diego, you were talking about investing in tech. Tech is futuristic for, for most people when they're trying to think about what's coming up next. So mm-hmm. they'll be investing in something that is a little bit more speculative or a lot more speculative. And when you're investing in a particular company, 
then that's where you really have to start evaluating even more deeply about what are they able to accomplish? What have they accomplished so far? Right. What is their cash on hand? You know, like what, what, what is really happening with their books? Do they actually have a working product at this point in time? Mm-hmm. Are they first to market or right. are they really behind? But then they have something that's innovative that's really going to transform it. So they're in a better place and they're able to then build out and then take the competitive share from other people. But yeah. the difference between that and like per se gambling, if you will, <laughs> is that gambling, the odds are not in your favor. Facts. You're guaranteed to lose more. When you're speculating, though, you've done sort of kind of your research. You have a thesis at that point in time. So the odds can go sort of kind of either way. Investing, though, more so is this company or this entity has a really solid record Mm -hmm. and history. I know if I look back over 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 100 years, that this company has done fairly well over time. So more than likely, if I were to get into it, right, I would expect for them to sort of kind of continue doing well if they have been doing well. Now, past performance is not indicative of the future, but if you look at an Apple or even an Amazon or even a Microsoft, yeah, they don't go through their best times all the time, right? but they have shown to be really profitable companies that have developed their own niche ecosystem. And that's they have a really strong customer base and they have what is called a moat. So they have something that's going to protect them and yeah. insulate them um, from the future. The money that people make in the stock market from the traditional investing side is going to come from them just simply contributing first and foremost. Right. You're going to have all the contributions and then people can look up what is called a compound interest calculator, which is one of the most amazing things, compound interest. Next thing you know, if you're looking at 8 to 10% annually, which the S&P 500 has returned over 100 plus years, or more recently, if people would have got in after the financial crisis, you're looking at like 30 something percent per year. That beats any bank account any day. That, that significantly beats inflation as well. So it can be as simple as that, um, anywhere between $250 to $500 a month for 40 years at 8 to 10% annually can get you like $1.3 to $1.7 million. So you, you hold on, wait, what am I, let's take, let's take, take a step back. So you just said, <laughs> if you put like $500, $250 in there, it's going every no you it'll it increase that much per month. What is how what's the buy-in? Yeah, two fifty two fifty per month at mm-hmm. um, eight to ten percent interest um, annually will get you like one million over a forty-year period. And the only thing you did was just invest in the S and P five hundred. You just literally bought SPY one share of SPA or one share of VOO, and mm-hmm. that was it for forty like that, years. That, yeah, for 40 years. That's all you did. So if your parents had had the had the insight when you were younger mm. to start to start off, right? Instead of mm. always buying the J's or back then the phone posits, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Two, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Pat. Yeah, or, or whatever the case may have been. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. K2. Man, niggas parents ain't smoking spice chill, bro. Don't do that, man. <laughs> Yo. Dust, angel dust, crack rock Yo. love boat. Nah, they yeah. out there buying love boat, man. Running around <laughs> naked off the wet. Man, they over there buying all this crack rock cocaine. Shimmy, they yeah, yeah, they should have been out here buying SP500, Spy, and VOO, man. We could have been Damn millionaires. Shame, I could have owned me a McDonald's franchise out in Manhattan, man. 
Sean working at school. You know what I'm saying? So this is crazy. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Ryan, can you tell me about like when you work with Kiego? Is this something you share with the children there? Yeah. So I talk to the kids about investing all the time. For real, for mm-hmm. real. Um, to me, that's key, especially at that age, because yeah. most now, right, we get exposed to so much consumerism and capitalism. And many times black people are just building up other people's names and not necessarily mm-hmm. ours and theirs that are within our community. Mm-hmm. So it's very important for them to learn about investing early on. Cause I do see a lot of the kids, you know, the, the young ladies might have Uggs on. And then I see two or three with a Makaz jacket. I'm just like, bro, like if that's really real, then your parents are here spending the whole stack or something on, on a jacket that you're going to outgrow in two to three years. Whereas if, in theory, they would have invested these funds. Potentially, if the market continues to go up, even if the market goes down, which it's probably going to do in the next two to three years, we've been long overdue for a correction. Either way, you still have equity. Mm-hmm. And if they continue that trend where they're investing on your behalf, but more so they're actually talking to you about investing and it changes your mindset to oh, I don't need for you, mom, to buy me this extra pair of J's. Or I don't need for you, mom, to buy me this extra bag. Or I don't need this extra gain. Let's invest it. Then the whole situation and scenario changes as far as your overall trajectory and and wealth. And that's one of the main things. It's just like, you don't need a lot of money to start investing. $25, $30, $40, $50 a month. Like You'll be good to go. With crypto, it can be even less than that because Mm -hmm. it's all fractional based. And really getting them to see, yeah, over time, this is what you can attain. So if you think a million dollars is a lot of money, it really isn't. If you think $2 million is a lot of money, it really isn't. Like You can do this in your lifetime. And instead of asking your parents for all of these additional things and this whole consumerism mindset, how about we actually make sure that our parents, instead of buying us liabilities, buy us assets? Mm-hmm. So that's really the conversation um, and really getting them to say, hey, man, shoot, go to Investopedia, look that's that right. up, look up, go on investor.gov. Oh, if you really like whatever the case may be, Apple, iPhone, because y'all now got the new 13, make sure that your parents, if they're going to spend a G on a phone, spend a G and invest it in Apple stock. Or if they're going to buy you the new Nikes, also buy you a couple shares. Mm-hmm. And Nike as well. So then that way you're building up equity, you're building up position. And eventually your your ownership in Nike would then be used to actually be able to buy you other Nikes. Mm-hmm. Your ownership in Apple and the dividends that you could get from that could then wind up purchasing your next phone. I feel like it would be hard to explain like the short-term sacrifices for the long-term benefits of that to a child though. Cause like, have you had that conversation with a kid? Like, you know, instead of getting Nikes, maybe get some ownership into Nike so that you can potentially buy more Nikes in the future. Like Honestly, the, the kids that are on the younger side, they get it and they buy into it because it's, it's, it's less of them wanting certain things, but more so of their parents projecting certain things on them. Mm-hmm. That's fair. But then Close. when you have people that are a little bit older, um, like to the maybe the... 14, 15, 16, 17, then it's more of a mindset that they ha- will want to sort of kind of look into because now they've gotten accustomed to a particular lifestyle. Right. They got accustomed to impressing other people that don't necessarily care about them. 
Exactly. So it's all about their perception and their imagery versus others who is like, oh, yeah, this is cool. These are J's. But that also sounds like a dope idea because you told me in the next 20 something years, if my parents were able to do this for me, I could wind up potentially having 500 to a million dollars. So that sounds better than me having these J's. But to somebody else that's a little bit older, having the J's, having the Yeezys, having you know a tail for a bag or something like that, or the next Balenciaga's. That's like, yo, like that's, that's a status symbol. But mm-hmm. to me, <laughs> I'm like half of y'all clothes is fake anyway. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't go, I don't, I don't say that to them necessarily, but it's just like, man, at the end of the day, this is about perception. I don't want to per- be perceived to look rich. I want to be wealthy. And those two things are different. Mm-hmm. And I want us to be able to be wealthy because black people's income has increased significantly since the 1960s, but what stayed the same is our wealth. What has also increased is Black people still being used for labor to build white wealth, i.e. the you know, prison pipeline. So that's what we see. Mass incarceration is up. We don't need to be giving other people the wealth that we have when they're not necessarily doing anything for our, for our future. So I'll just that's leave right. it to them. Yeah. And I, I try to do the same thing at work, you know, talk about that um that financial responsibility. Like I see a kid with some Nikes on or some Jordans, I'd be like, you should get some light up shoes instead. You know what I mean? Or like the some some airwalks, some pro wings, some Heelys, sketches, things like that. Yo, and the kids be like, What are you talking about, Mr. S? That doesn't what do you I would never they just they just into the brand thing, man. I'm like, you gotta expand your mind, you know what I'm saying? You can get you some some Fubu instead of those Jordans, you know what I mean? You can get you a Fubu flea shirt, some Sean Johnson some South Pole, you know, hit up your local former mills in the Bronx and, uh, you know, go pick, check those bills at former mills. You can, you can still get fly on a budget and have you all the new check drip. those bills, stretch those yeah. bills. Gee. Yeah, man. You, you, you can check right, those man. bills. On, you, can, you can stretch those bills, stretch those you know, bills, into, yeah. but they need to stretch those bills into some equity. Yeah, that's the end of the, exactly. that's the end of the bill. See how I clean that up, <laughs> Mr. Long. See how I clean it up. You see how I clean it up, man. That, yes, yeah, that's what they need to clean. That's what they need to do. They need to stretch those bills into, you know, a, a, a nice account with some compound interest that'll help them acquire some financial freedom in the future. Right. That's a fact. So that when they <laughs> on, yeah. you know, that life support machine that their family can pay for a funeral and they don't have to get burned up and put into a vase. They can actually be put into the, the hollow earth. Right. You know what I mean? So these things that they can do to, to secure <laughs> their self. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, man, like, like real talk too. It's just about a more holistic um, conversation and that's normalizing wealth talk within the community. Right. You know, we, we, we've done a great job of normalizing what people purchase, what people wear, what people do, what they want to do and pop bottles and all that stuff like that. I mean, even the kids see it too, because you're watching videos, you're watching, they have all the social media going off. So it's the Instagram, it's the TikTok, but it's just like what you pay attention to pays. It literally says it, you know, pay attention. So if Mm. that's where ads come in, that's where you always see, oh, this is the newest thing. This is what they're doing. That's why some of these people are able to, from an algorithmic perspective, have all these videos and things like that to pop off. And next thing you know, they they make a couple hundred thousand or they the millionaire. But it took all of these people literally sitting there watching their content 
And what right. have those people been able to accomplish? So even when you talk about how time is being used, we all get 24 hours in a day, roughly, roughly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how are we there using that time? And I mean, even for the kids, it's like, how, how are you all using your time and using this time wisely? And that's a that's a deep conversation in a sense to have, especially with them at their age. But then mm-hmm. again, it becomes something that's normalized. Mm-hmm. Or the same way that people were younger could talk about sports or could talk about XYZ person liking XYZ person, right. their minds are malleable. So they they can start to identify with the fact that, oh yeah, this is this is a company. I own an iPhone, but I don't know what stocks are. I, why, why, why in the world is Apple a, a multi-trillion dollar company? Why in the world do they have a balance sheet um, full of cash that has like the same value of another country or right, that GDP, of three, four, right. five countries. Right. But my parents are struggling or or something like that. So then it, it, it starts to pose this image to them in terms of, do you really need this? Yeah, it's good to have, but then what's better to have longer term? Because this is where you ultimately want to be. Are your actions today, are the actions of your parents actually helping get you there? And many of them be like, nah. Or some of them say, yeah, my parents, they they mentioned investing or my parents want you to talk to us more about NFTs or talk to us about Bitcoin and how can we get involved with it? And it's a positive thing because a lot of adults are like, nah, I don't, I don't know about all of this, but the kids, they, they, they hold on to it. As soon as right. I tell them, yeah, shoot, you own Apple stock, then you part owner of Apple. Right. So I have voting rights and things. And that gets really important when you get older, because you can start helping make decisions about the overall guidance of the company. And I tell them the same stuff, man. When they when I say they can work at a McDonald's, become go to Hamburg University, they can open up a franchise. They don't have to be a cook. They could be a manager of a local burger joint. You know what I mean? That's that's a better that's a better position for them, because a lot of them do want jobs at the age. I'm like, I'm joking with them, obviously, to part of it, too. But another thing is like, I'm trying to tell them that they don't have to be a frat cook. They don't have to be a janitor. They can actually have decision-making and be like managers and know that like not at their age currently, but once they're like two, three years, maybe a year from like when they graduate, once they're like an 11th grader or 10th grader, they can have some type of, you know, ownership of what they, you know, doing for their job and what they're doing to, you know, help establish a future for themselves and get some managerial experience in a small capacity and like a little burger chain. You can use that as like an experience when you go to another company, like, Oh, I want to be an intern here. I have experience of being over people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I was able to procure this job and also stay here and I have a good work history. Duh, 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 duh. So it's just something that they could think about, you know, or just even when I talk about them, you know, working towards their passions or working towards what they're interested in. Because a lot of times we sell kids on, you know, we hear, we hear the same stuff all day. I want to be a football player. I want to be a basketball player. I want to be a model. I want to be a doctor, which is not bad saying you want to be a doctor. But it's like, you know, man, you know, you be seeing them grades, man. They ain't gonna be no goddamn doctor. So it's like, <laughs> what, what else can you be, man? I mean, what as you, a child, what you... though, it's like your 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 view of like what is a successful occupation Role. is very limited. You know what I mean? It's like doctors, lawyers, those sound good. I I wanted to be a doctor for a long time, man. <laughs> I can't lie. We never teach people to follow their passion and then figure out a way to monetize that. Mm. So you be having people that be super successful, but then they be mad, depressed. You know what I'm saying? They got all this this bread, yeah. they got all this wealth, all this financial stuff. 
And yeah, thank you for spelling it right, bro. I didn't know what the hell I was spelling in the, in the chat, my G. But um, <laughs> they got all this. <laughs> oh, good looking. This. I'm copying and pasting that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm up. I'm finna be up. <laughs> like, no bullshit. Like, as like, soon as we get pod, off this call. He's like, actually, this, 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 the last, Lil Ryan, nah. this is the last episode. I ain't gonna hear from Brandon again. This is the last nah, episode. He's like, it's with, up. Yo. He said 250, man. I'm putting a thousand listen, away. Yo, a thousand listen, a check. <laughs> listen here. We up for real. Like, I'm not. Two thousand a check. He's like, man, he gonna change his name. Ain't gonna be Brandon no more. It's gonna be Senora Brandon. Yes, he gonna be indeed, in Mexico. And he gonna be in Tahiti somewhere, chilling on the beach with yes, a mojito. Sir, you know it, bro. And, and a lady boy. Yeah, the, man. The floral shirt. You feel me? That's right. Camo lady boy and a lady back. boy with some soft skin. Talking about some hello. How are you doing, sir? What's nah, going on? Can I? <laughs> Don't do me like that. Oh man. oh, man. You had it right to that point, but chill. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> a little brown lady boy with nice hair and soft skin. Nah, smelling nah. good. Actually, you know what's crazy? Like, I saw this clip. Like, these dudes went to, where were they at? To DR? And they had like $20 and it was like bad joints. Mm-hmm. And they was like, who coming? Who coming? Who coming? And he chose two girls. I was like, oh my God. I was like, $20? Like, yeah. Oh, you, you saw a clip, huh? Where, where you see the clip at, sir? Reddit, man. Reddit's a wild place. Oh, it was on Reddit, huh? Oh, okay. Yeah, what, 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 what was you? He ain't going to try to get you jammed up, man. Nah, I know he's doing, man. <laughs> I know exactly what he's doing. Yo, but he know man. the vibes. This man was on the him, hub. Man, he was the on dark, the hub. <laughs> I'll be in the dark, the dark places, dark parts of Reddit, man, that you shouldn't be in. He be, be on the dark there. web looking. I don't up pay people. for OnlyFans, but I see everything. You feel me? Hey man, he be on the dark <laughs> web looking up people getting adrenochrome in their system. Man, getting come on, man. Getting adrenochrome. Anyways, man. man. Anyways, getting uh, euthanized, taking anyways, the baby foreskin, Ryan. putting on their skin, man. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He said stem cell research to the finest. That's right. Yo, the pure stem cell, the purest of the purest yo, of stem cells. <laughs> yo, when 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 Kiego earlier said that people can't afford to bury their family members, <laughs> they be cremating them. Son, I was over here dead for a minute because I was like, you know, a lot of my family is cremated. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> That's fucked up. No, it's funny because it's, it's true. That's factual. Like my dad couldn't get buried. He got cremated, bro. Like with the quickness. Like I was like, where the, you know what I mean? Where you at? He was like, oh, this is a memorial service. I was like, word. I was like, like right. dang, we broke for real. But yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Ryan, um, what are your thoughts not, on, um, sorry, now, go ahead, bro. Nah, I, I was just like, man, it's, you know, we, we can sit up here and, and laugh about it now, but like, it, it's, it's really a, a, a huge, significant piece of the culture that has to be addressed. Absolutely. Because, most parents, they have life insurance on themselves, but they're not on their kids. Mm-hmm. And then some people, especially as they get older, they wind up not even having life insurance or health insurance and things of that nature because they say, I, I simply can't afford it. I need to put this money now here towards X, Y, Z thing. And death is untimely. Mm-hmm. is untimely. And no matter how many times people can see it coming, if mm-hmm. you don't have a trust in place, then, then you're out of the loop. Right. It, you can have a will and things, but they become woefully inadequate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Added to that, the idea of like mortality um, as a scientist, a, 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 an amateur scientist myself, um, I've grown my own sea, sea monkeys um, and I've also done some like microwavable stuff and concoctions inside of a microwave nice. and with Pyrex. Uh, I, I just want uh, to use a Pyrex is for, bro. Excuse me. Um, we're going to be talking about <laughs> <some> life extension. <laughs> 
Nah, go ahead, bro. Life right, extension. What, what, what are your thoughts on life extension, man? How, how long do you think people can live uh, in the, right now? What's the, what do you think in the future? Like, how long do you think people are going to be able to live, Brian? I honestly don't even give a lot of thought to this, and I'm going to tell you why. It, it, it's more so about resources and what mm. the planet can handle. Mm. <clears throat> okay, okay. So you think it's going to be like, you, oh, you've seen the movie In Time with Justin Timberlake? you seen that movie, Ryan? Man, you know, you know about, I don't even watch what? movies. Damn, anyway. bro. All right, look, look, hold on, hold on. So the, so the movie was like people had these watches, right? And they was 25 mm-hmm. forever. But then mm-hmm. when they when they ran out of money, right? They, they If you had enough money, you can be, you could stay 25 forever. But if you didn't have enough money, your time on your watch would start going up and you would age mad fast, right? Mm. So you think it would be like that? Like if you have enough money, you'll be able to stay on the planet longer? Like almost like a putting coins into a, a machine in an arcade. Like that idea. Like so you can keep continuing your life. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, old school video games, you got to pre present coin, press start to continue like that. But in real life, you think it's going to be like that, like a thing you got to pay for, or, you know, I don't know, some save point type thing where you, you, you know, you got to keep extending yourself or putting money into something to make it so you can stay alive. And you think that's going to be like that? Cause you, you yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, it very well could be right. But I, I look at things in terms of resources, who, who is really going to be allowed if you will, to stay mm-hmm. and or get access to this technology. Mm. Only the rich, which is why you got to invest now. Esau, man. Esau, <laughs> you all know who that is. Esau. And his name was Esau, man. The red, man. The red man, right? From the Caucasus Mountains is who you got to watch out for, man. Still in the birthright of Jacob or Jacob, as some people in the Bible. Yeah, cool. That's yeah. right. See, see, he know what I'm talking about. That's right, man. I can tell you how it's shot, man. We talk about oh over God. here, man. We don't see Jeez, like, like, come on. I know today's mathematics. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we know what we talk about over here, man. It's Israelite stuff, man. Talk about you got you got the math, you know, you got the books. Hey, I get it. I get it. From nah, man. Man. Hey. Yeah, I get the blue letter, man. You got the blue letter, man. King James vision, man. Talk about. But yeah, man. Look into the etymology of the word, man. The etymology of the word. But um, mm. yeah, so the game of resources. Yeah, yeah Ryan, but I mean, you know, the, the the mind many times though, uh, for most people, mm-hmm. Deteriorates first. In, in this particular setting, could probably last longer than the physical body. Mm. Right? Mm. So then, I mean, you, you, you see various things happen where people, they, they try to preserve the body mm-hmm. as much, but then sometimes people's bodies fail, mm-hmm. but they might still be able to have some co- cognitive abilities. And then it might be the opposite too, whereas right. the mind starts to fail. How do you start to account and adjust for that? Because there's a lot of things um, from a neural perspective that can wind up going wrong, especially when you talk about extending life and mm-hmm. you, you can look at even like Elon Musk and Neuralink and the things right. that's trying to do there. Right. There's going to be some form of happiness and greatness from people. And then there are going to be some people that are not going to want to be here for forever because you see so many things, but then it changes from what you knew. Right, right. So then that's where this VR, AR, like all of the augmented realities, virtual things, even the metaverse can be comforting for some people. Just imagine like recreating your childhood or your youth. Your body may not physically be able to do it, but sensory-wise, if somebody can make it seem like or you feel like you're actually doing something, (laughs) then it can work. But yeah, man, I I don't put too much thought in how much longer people can actually live and and some of those other things. True. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I hate that, man. You know. Yeah. 
Me, I'm gonna live forever though, man. I'm gonna be a robot, man. Right? That's gonna be a gonna, they can call me you robot. You said that Bob. last week, yeah. Yep, I'm gonna be robot Bob. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna be, be on a USB or some whatever the fuck they gonna have in the future, some super USB disc. They're gonna upload it and be like boop, 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 boop. And I'm in the, the, the virtual world like Neo in the Matrix. No, it's gonna be like Mega Man. Remember, nah, um, it's the gonna Mega be like Man Cyberpunk. That? You're actually doing the, the, the plot of Cyberpunk right now. You don't even know. Oh, oh, I didn't know. Okay, <laughs> my bad. I'm gonna <laughs> Be on some stuff like that, Mega Man Netlink. Remember that that, that little joke when they go Mega Man, he was on a computer on WB. Nah, I never, yeah. I never watched. I wasn't really into the Mega Man IP, bro. It's kind of whack. Moving on, um, <laughs> kind of whack. Nah, but but it's real quick stupid, though, this, this this is a big question though. Do you think if people could could live an extended period of time that they would have any incentive to do something today? Yes. Like no. to make sure that they're investing in finances so they could like live a luxurious lifestyle for a longer period of time. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so. Nah, I, I think people so. try to secure. A fi- yeah. I think people try to build a better future for themselves. If they actually have a elongated future that, you know, has no end in sight. Why not? I don't think so. Why not? Uh, here's why. Because we still got people that do like, let's say you live a good life. You might be able to live maybe 80 years. Right. And we still got people that do dumb shit every day for their whole life. They fuck up their whole first 40 years of life. Go to I mean, jail over 80 and over years again. versus 130 years. That's a big That's still only like 40 years, but like, but there's no guarantee you will get to that 140. You still might, if you, if it's, if the, let's say the average lifespan becomes 180 or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Well, 130, people still gonna be living the 60 and 70 as opposed to 40 and 45 like they do now. You get what I'm saying? Because some people literally live just till 45, especially if you're a man of color, bro, you be out the way at 50, 52, you be finished. Your heart explode inside your chest. Oh my god! Literally, no, but I'm dead ass. Like you give yeah. it's, it's joke. I'm health, joking, but I'm yeah, dead serious. Right. Like yeah, health just be down in the dumps. No matter what you do, you're gonna be out the way. It's all good. You're gonna be out the way. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I don't know if that's gonna be enough incentive for people to get their life together. It, it, it you know what would be crazy? Getting a life sentence and it's an extended life. Oh my! Uh, get, look, look, look! If you get double uh, life and you live 150 years, you got double life. <laughs> Man, that's exactly where I was about to go with it. Like you'll be tightish, you'll be if, tight, devastated. Christ, bro, look, look, fucking dude, terrible. Look, look, one day the, the the guard, the new guard, comes to your cell. Hey, Johnson, man, this this today is the start of your second life term. You being that bitch, man. All right, I'm about to I'm about to kill myself. It's over. With. <laughs> Get the fuck up out of here. I got to do 25 years twice plus 10 <laughs> twice. <laughs> I That's got 55 crazy. years, <laughs> two times. <laughs> you been that Joe sick. You you probably go crazy. You probably no, for real, go crazy. No, you would, especially you go, in solitary. Jail will be super, but jail will be super scary too. Because you think people got lifers now that be bugged out. If you got double life and you know you got to be in there for double life, it's super. Jail. All bets are off, bro. Yeah, it's blood. <laughs> Everybody get everywhere you go. That, that's all right. types of wild shit. It's gonna be bad. Chicanery, <laughs> shit bombs everywhere. It's devastation, man. What we talk about, man. Anyway, man. Hey. <laughs> it's going left. But I mean, but I mean, these these are key things to think about, right? Far as people's psychology, far as what they care about the decisions that they make and the true impact. Like, what would their views on mortality be? How would that change? And then beyond that, though, this just goes back to resources, man, because. Yeah, people, people, when they get life sentences or, or you stay in jail, it literally costs taxpayers thousands upon thousands of dollars. Right. Like each individual person that is in there. So. That's one of the major things for everybody to consider. And that's that's one of the reasons why, like slightly pivoting, is that we need to actually fix this criminal injustice system. Mm, talk. That's talk. 
man. The criminal like, justice system. Yeah, man. The system was supposed to rehabilitate, but it does not rehabilitate people of color. Like for real, for real. Facts. It doesn't. And 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 that and that's one of the key pieces there. And anytime you have all of these prisons that are actually being set up as well, and they are for profit, mm-hmm. that's 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 a crazy piece, man. So you got judges and, and lawyers and everybody that's working towards the same thing, and that's mm-hmm. not to benefit us. Facts. And that's, that's a big true. fact. That's where y'all get on that law-abiding citizen, man. You know what I'm saying? Start taking people out left and right. Jamie Foxx show up. Think he could be better than Gerald Butler. No, sir. That's not what's happening. I'm, you, you blowing up the judge. You blowing up everything, man. You got to take the system down. Start over from scratch. Go on a rampage like the dude in Rampage, man. You know? <laughs> man, we got to have a movie day or something, man. You hear me, Mr. Like, I was you about to say, Ryan, ain't, movies, Ryan probably hasn't he don't know seen these movies. He ain't seen. You seen law-abiding citizen with Jamie Foxx and Gerald Butler? If you haven't, it's a really good one. Probably. Who knows? I mean, sure, I don't know. I don't have a reference for it. <laughs> it's a giant way to do. Okay, his family get killed, right? And then he um they don't they don't prosecute the people that killed his family. So then he when the dude um like 15 years go by, and then he plans this elaborate way he's gonna get revenge on everybody that was involved, including the criminals, the lawyer, the prosecutor, the judge, everybody. He just start killing everybody because it's like he sees the in- the ineffectiveness of the justice system. Because it's all based on numbers from the prosecute on, on the prosecutor's side, they don't want to take cases that have a chance of failing. You know what I mean? When, when, and when you're when you're a prosecutor, you want to have a high conviction rate, like Kamala Harris did against black people, but she still was in mm. office. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, we, we got to talk about that. We got to talk about that. <laughs> we got to talk about that. Amen. But um, <laughs> ease up off my Howard sister, please. Thank you. Yo, how Let's, keep right. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Man, we see how we're giving it up, man, with the Modi houses. Let's you know keep it moving, bro. <laughs> you right, though. You're right. They, they living like it's Amistad in there, man. Very loud. Man, you know, the crazy part was um, somebody sent me a video and they were saying, hey, you know, this is Howard like 60, 70 years ago. I think it was in the 60s or 70s when they had another um, sit in and yep. things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has similar demands. And mm-hmm. I mean, the crazy part when we think about it is that and we and we've had many um, famous black leaders, um, especially like uh, Frederick Douglass and others to discuss how even black people may not necessarily do right by other black people because yeah. there's a financial incentive that is there. And we see it. And, and, and of course, this isn't directed to to Howard and what is happening. It could be directed to the university. Honestly, yeah, exactly, exactly, right. And then we know, though, from a certain perspective, there are some cultural things that happen there that people are trying to protect, and it's more so of a legacy and try to make sure. Sometimes it can be power over purpose as well, because that's what our community has been about, and that was one thing that protected black people in a sense from getting killed. Right. Oh, don't look at this white person or don't do this. Don't question authority because it could end your life. And now it's just like, well, shoot, you look just like me. We should be able to have a conversation and dialogue about how we can really move forward and build. But then you're trying to be on this power tip. And sometimes that's what happens. And it's not limited to to HBCUs. It's it's everywhere. But we do see the inefficiencies and ineffectiveness within the system. So when you get Funding that is not proper for HBCUs when you get the fact that alumni are not really donating in significant quantities, then you talk about all of the other things that happen. It's not to make an excuse. It's to say, shoot, these are all of the things. This is now just a byproduct of the culmination of all of the foolishness, in addition to potentially ineffective leadership, because they're thinking I have to lead with authority versus I need to lead with 
empathy. I need to lead with actions that are going to move the community forward versus anything else. So this, yeah. <laughs> but Ryan, um, I wanted to ask um, what your thoughts, what your thoughts were on uh, on meme coins that are growing in popularity, like Doge and Shiba. Do you think there's value there for people who are just getting introduced to the cryptocurrency space? Value from what perspective? Like, um, if you were to invest a certain amount of money, you would see an average return of like x amount of dollars over a period of time and they're like there's still like greater potential for loss but i mean if you were to just invest like five or ten dollars just as like an introductory to trading in the cryptocurrency space do you think that there's like i don't know like value in learning how to navigate the space potentially with starting out with a small invaluable coin like a shiba or something like that um I mean, sometimes I think those types of things can do more damage than good because psychologically you get tuned into, oh man, shoot, this thing can really go up really fast, mm -hmm. which is true. But then it can also go down really fast, mm -hmm. um, which is also true. But then you weren't necessarily here for the fact that this coin really didn't move for three years or four years or five years. And those are the people that held on to it and they understood, oh, this is just a meme. Yes, memes can make money. Mm. Memes can make money. Parody can make profit. But to be introduced in that light and then all of a sudden for everything to get thrusted into money, 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 and then not focus on meaning, to me, that can really be detrimental long term because mm. the results cannot be properly replicated. And that's what really the, the heart, to me, of investing is about probability and possibilities. A lot of things are possible, right? A lot of things are possible, but how probable is it? So when a person says XYZ mean coin is going to go to a dollar or $2, and then you really look at it and see, man, shoot, this thing got 30 trillion, 40 trillion coins out there, and it's trading at 0 0.0000001, you really think that this thing is going to go to a dollar? Where is that money going to come from? Right? Because right. then at that point in time, or $10 or $100. So then what people are using is unit bias. And then you can game the system if stuff has a low market cap. Right? Like, so if the three of us, say for instance, the three of us had $100. If my $100 represents 50% of all of the money that is in the system, then if you come around and you put $100 in and then Kiego put another $100 in, now this thing is worth so much significantly more, but it's still a small amount of money. So then just imagine somebody coming in and putting in $10,000 or $100,000, and now you've completely moved this system significantly far above and beyond. But then what happens if a person tries to sell? Mm -hmm. who, who are going to be those people that then buy at that exorbitant price? Those are the people typically that get left holding the bag. And then that's detrimental, especially for the Black community holistically, not necessarily as individuals, but holistically, because typically it's the money that is being passed around is coming through us for many of these meme coin and projects because we're pumping them or even meme stocks and things. We're starting to pump, not necessarily on a, on a grand scale, but all of these little funds that are coming in and working together now at the end, 
you're out because you had this unrealistic goal of this coin going to X price or this coin doing this or this stock doing these particular numbers, not understanding the market mechanics, right? Like it made no sense for Doge to go to a dollar mm. when Elon Musk would go on. Like as a whole, buy the rumor, sell the news type of event. And that's why I was telling a lot of people, like you can more than likely expect for Doge to fall quicker than it's going to rise, but you'll see a pump. Yeah. Doge consistently went up though when TikTok videos were involved and other things. Granted, yeah, you had a lot of people to make a lot of money from it. But at the end of the day, now you have some of those same people that completely lost. They weren't willing to sell because they got so caught up in stuff going up. Like I personally know a person, again, that um, put 10K into Doge. They wound up having a portfolio that was right around 1.2, I think 1.2 to 1.3 mil on Robinhood when I told them don't go through Robin Hood. Robin Hood is Robin right. the Hood. But yeah. um, <laughs> but now, but now, you know, their their portfolio is is only worth, I think, like maybe 40, 50, if 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 that. Yeah. They they basically lost significant amounts. Yeah, man. Shit. You said they went from 1.2 million to 40,000? Yeah, to like 40K, 40, 50K. <laughs> Yeah. Killing myself. Hey, no, 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 no. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm killing myself. <laughs> Yo! I'll take that back. But like, yeah. oh my God, bro. So we know, yeah, we know, we know how Brandon would have been in, in like back in the day. When the, <laughs> when the first, window. He jumping <laughs> out the window. To the window! <laughs> <laughs> to the wall! <laughs> I'm going oh, no, to be on the oh, pavement. God. Look, he be yeah, chasing man. payment. He and Dale chasing payment from the top of man. that building, bro. Come on, bro. Yeah, man, sure. <laughs> Yeah, man. They 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 actually sent me a um sent me a screenshot of it, man. Sent me a video showing um you know the little highlight of their portfolio, how it had went up and and where it was now. And I said, damn. Like and I don't even cuss, but I was just like, man, like shoot, bro, like what happens to actually taking profit? But many people don't because again, hopium is there. Oh, that's a fire name. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Hopium is there, man. And, and hopium is one of those strongest drugs that kill, especially new investors and people that get into the space because many times people wind up chasing. And, and again, right? Like if you have funds and, and you know what you're doing, you recognize, oh, shoot, this is a momentum play. This is where the momentum at. I'm going to get in and I'm going to get out. That's that's you, right? Like I really don't have a problem with that on on a on a on a larger level because you understand that what you're doing and you have a plan. But if you go in there and you like, yo, like I need for this coin to do X, Y, and Z, or I need for this to happen, you can't control those things. Right. You can't control those things. And then again, most times people don't take into account taxes. You just made all this money. Now you're about to cash out, if anything. 30, 40% maybe has to go to a tax perspective. So how much did you really make? Because you also made all of these other individual trades and things like that. And you hop from this coin to that coin and you paid a couple thousand dollars in gas fees on ETH. And uh, nobody told you too that you needed Ethereum to cash out. So now you now you lost. Like those, those are some, those are some like small examples. But again, you know, I'm not gonna sit up here and tell people. You shouldn't do it. To me, it's just 
to me is is one of those tricky situations where you can have people that get really fooled mm-hmm. and they be the ones to tell you that you're so wrong because over a two day period, maybe they made 10K, they turned 50 th- dollars into five thousand into ten thousand and you're just wrong and you're hating on them and it's just like nah bro like i'm not hating on you i want you to be great but i also want you to understand the risk and understand that you may not be able to replicate this so when the next meme coin does pop off if you run to that you can't necessarily expect the same results right. and that's what we see happening right now is these random pumps so it's better for people to get into things that they really believe in that they've done the research on and they can ride out the waves as they come and go versus, oh, man, shoot, this thing is down. I done lost $200. I'm out. And then it'd be up 20, you know, $20 yeah. or something like that next yeah. five minutes later. And then they jumping back in it. And then it's just like, oh, it's back down. I need to get out. And then maybe it moves up another dollar or something like that. And they're like, man, shoot, I should have never sold. Everybody else needs to go and buy this, too, so I can get my money back. And it's like everybody <laughs> else might not be on that right now. I learned it's a lot about trading today. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. Like I feel like I am equipped with enough knowledge to at least feel comfortable, like approaching investing again. Because I was mm-hmm. investing on Robinhood, and then I realized that maybe I shouldn't use this platform. So I said that. Remember when you first got on that, John? Yeah. I said I was like, "Don't do it. You might as well do the real thing, bro. Do the real thing. They go. On, it's an okie doke somewhere." Yeah. And then what happened? They okie doke the whole earth. They finessed everybody that was investing in AMC when they was doing. AMC yeah. and GameStop when they were doing that pump. So yeah. I was like, word, that's crazy. They were like, oh, you can't buy this anymore. That's nuts. <laughs> but yeah. But I mean, even before then, man, like Robinhood, uh, we were saying this a couple of years ago. Robinhood is robbing the hood simply because, you know, it's an old adage, right? Nothing in, in this life is free. So when people start to talk about, oh, they're, they're doing this, they're doing that, and this is going to be free, then we have to ask what well, their company, how are they making that money? And there's this thing called payment for order flow. So when you actually look at it, Robinhood, you're actually paying significantly more above and beyond to use their platform. They're one of the most expensive platforms to believe, although they're marketed as free or low cost, no cost versus using a traditional platform like a Charles Schwab or TD Ameritrade or something else. Like you actually get better order execution. You have way more account types and things that are going to get you towards your goals. And that's really what investing is about. It's not necessarily a financial number. Is really about what your goal is and making sure that you're working towards that goal. So if your goal is retirement, which most people goal is, then we then have to think about, well, what is my time horizon? How do I want my life to look? And then you can start to bring in the cost for that. But then if I want to do this, then I also need to think, oh, are there retirement accounts out there? Okay, cool. Yeah, there are retirement accounts. So you got a Roth IRA, or you might have a traditional IRA, or even in your in your job, you might have a 401k or 403b or something like that if you're in the in the traditional sector um, or nonprofit sector. Okay, cool. These this is what this account limit is as far as my contributions. These are the tax benefits. Cause that's that's the key. This is how expensive this is for me to invest in XYZ asset. So now I'm putting this financial picture together and I understand I'm not just thinking about what's happening this year or next year. I'm looking 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years out. So that needs to be my time horizon. And I can dollar cost average. I can invest. I can do all of those things and just keep it pushing 
versus, oh, I need to become a millionaire in five years. And if I invest in, or if I throw money here or throw money there, I got a better chance at it. And it's just like, uh, not really. You might as an individual, but then five other people, 10 other people, 100 other people, are they going to have the same results as you? And the answer to that question is probably nah. But from an investing perspective, it can definitely be that case. It can definitely be that way. So, but the key to trading really as, as a side note, um, is mindset as well as mentality. It's a book called Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas that I recommend people to read. It's less about trading itself and, and more about knowing yourself. And that's where most people fell at. They don't really know themselves. So then they come out here, try to make all of these things like, shoot, they're going to become the most disciplined person in the world. And they're going to read the charts every day. They're going to have a notebook and they're going to make all of these strategic decisions. And it's just like, bro, like you don't do this in your regular life. I know where you're going to do this right now when it comes to money. Like you all over the place. You can't sit still for five minutes. How are you going to look at a screen? How are you going to make these decisions? You're highly impulsive which is nothing wrong with people necessarily being impulsive. Maybe if you're impulsive, doing short-term trading is for you because you see the setup, you recognizing like, boom, it's go time. Cool. Oh, this starting to change. Boom. I'm out. I made my 5%, 10%, 20%, 30%. I'm done for the day. Versus, oh, bro, I'm trying to make 100,000 this year. Tell me what to do. I can't do that because I can tell you what to do. <laughs> that don't mean you're going to do it. <laughs> oh, my God, bro. People really bro, ha- come to go come to elite with that request, like trying to make a certain amount of money within a year. Yeah, absolutely. And I have people that um, DM me all the time and stuff like that, like actually text me because I'm not on any social media, but they'll text me or um, I guess group me can count as social media. They'll be like, bro, like I'm trying to make $100 a day. That's that's not the goal. And I And I really send them this screenshot of it's, it's like a quote and it says um basically the key to trading is taking the best setups money is secondary because yeah, money yeah. you can't control right. but you can control your plan you can control these other times that i'm going to trade you can control the fact that yo like i just had an argument with my significant other i'm not going to trade right now because i might make a crazy decision right or XYZ happened. I'm feeling really good. I'm at the top of the earth. I don't need to trade right now either because I can go into this and I might shoot, not use proper risk management. So now instead of me only risking 5% of my overall account, now I'm risking 50. Because I think, shoot, this this NVIDIA or this AMD or this Apple is going to really move. Or this random, you know, GME or AMC, you know, shoot, I done hit the lottery. I, I can turn 10K into a million. You might, but then at the same time, shoot, you, you might not. <laughs> you might not. And, and would you be okay with that? Or are you then going to revenge trade because you feel like now, oh, shoot, I done lost this money. I need to get it back. I need to get it back. I need to get it back versus taking a pause and being like, this ain't that right now. Right. <laughs> like, right. let me let me let me come back. Let's live the fight another day and keep it pushing. So do you think there's a way to get a there's a I guess a pathway to become addicted to trading as there is with gambling or oh, yeah. sports betting? Yeah, man, absolutely. Because it's it's essentially like you're taking a risk. So the risk is what the what draws the excitement out of ice. Yeah, man, but just imagine, bro, like imagine us talking right now and I'm sitting right. in my room, I'm trading, like. I could literally be talking to y'all, looking at my phone, checking, 
And in a couple of minutes, I could make, you know, 50K or something like that. Real talk. Five minutes later, I could lose it all. It can become addictive because people then, you focus more so on the money at that point in time, right? How much, I have a system now, how much money can I make? Mm-hmm. And then people wind up trading in their nine to five for a nine to four or a seven to four or a five mm-hmm. to four because they are then just simply sitting in front of the screen. And right. I tell a whole bunch of people, man, shoot, like what's more important, bro? Like, is it the fact that you're trying to get financial freedom? Because financial freedom is less about money and it's more so about how much of your time do you actually control? Exactly. So, yeah, so then they become addicted to trading. You become addicted to trying to be right and to anticipate which direction the chart is going to move and then how much money can I make today and everybody's sitting around and talking and, oh, yeah, I played this covered call or I did this put and this is what happened and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it becomes this, this atmosphere where, where it is, is again. And it's like one of those main things where you can literally wind up making somebody's salary in a couple hours. And when I say somebody's salary, I mean like a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars easily. Mm-hmm. That be, that can become addictive. <laughs> like just yeah, imagine you having so. two or three days like that, and the next thing you know, like your account is worth four or five million, but then you wind up doing something crazy because you think that you can't lose. You can, yeah, you can't lose at that point in time. Or or some people, the money starts to take hold and they like, yo, like, I I I I I don't know what to do with this. Like, I just like then they then they try to do something stupid <laughs> in terms of well, I mean, I'm not gonna call it stupid per se, but it's just like, yo, like, I need to give part of this money back to the market. Like you start feeling guilty because then people look around and they see their family and friends that don't necessarily have. And then that aspect also is like the other side of them becoming addicted to trading is like they want to solve a lot of problems, but then it still doesn't bring them happiness. So then you still try to search for it. Mm-hmm. You still try to search for it in the trading. You still try to search for other places. So. Mm-hmm. Hookers and cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to hold you like, hookers and cocaine, be happy. Maybe, but yeah. Anyways, <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, um, Ryan, thank you so much for that, man. Um, I had a couple of topics here that I wanted to go through with you if you if you had time to. Um, Howard defeated Morgan State in the first ever in, in NBA HBCU Classic, kicking off the NBA All Star Weekend yesterday, which is a big deal for me. Um, so just wanted to shout that out and uh give myself a small round of applause. Uh you know, I needed that one. Um I needed that, you know. Uh it's been rough for Howard. At, was the game at Morgan State or Howard University? It was at it was in Cleveland where they're doing the All Star game. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, guessing, it's kind of a big guessing, deal. I'm guessing the ball wouldn't be able to bounce on the floor at Howard University, you know what I'm saying? Probably be warped, it might hit the, Yo, the head or something on. like that. Anyways, man. Anyways, man. <laughs> Anyways, man, moving the, on. Over here, like they, dunk the, they dunk on the rim. It might break the whole fucking building. You understand? Yeah. Like a matchstick house. Did, wait, hold up. Does uh, <laughs> I was saying, did your college, did your college have sports? My Cooper Union. 
The, yeah. You mean the the, the the basically an Ivy League art school? No, nah, yeah, no. I don't. Yeah. It's, it's Harvard. I mean, Harvard's considered like a hard like a HBCU, <laughs> but Ivy League HBCU, right? And they don't have yeah, any amenities. That's crazy. And they don't I have know, any amenities. Got to get it's out of the sad. mud. It's, it's wild. Yeah, I know. yeah for, for for the mud people. Right. Mm, see, <laughs> you got to tote the line, bro. There's a line, buddy. <laughs> Not at Howard. You just Howard, jumped over yeah. it. You a habitual <laughs> line jumper. You got to chill. <laughs> It's no red carpet at Howard. Damn, they don't have carpet wow. in general. <laughs> <laughs> it's mold in the carpet at Howard. Disrespect. <laughs> anyways, um, anyways, Eric oh, Adams uh, met with New York City drill rappers. Um, we talked about this last week, Diego. Um, he was initially going to ban drill music, and he met with some drill rappers. And uh, after proposing the ban. Um, he now wants to work with the artists to address gun mm, violence. So, interesting. They must right? put that pressure on them. They must put that <laughs> They showed nah. up with the yappers. <laughs> nah, no, no bullshit. I'm not going to hold you. I said that would happen. I was like, nah, this is not going to happen, bro. Like, they make too labels, much money in drill. Yeah, but I was saying the record label was like, what are you talking about? Are you an idiot? Man, he can't, I mean, I'm telling you, man. Eric Adams, man, he don't know what he doing, man. Ryan, he what do you know think about Eric Adams as a New York resident? The man. <laughs> right, <laughs> man. I, man, it's, it's it's a lot of the policies and things are, are still the same, and mm-hmm. to me, there's a lot of symbolism and, and strategic talk. Right, even even outside of this topic, even as it relates to to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Right, like he said, I'm gonna take my paychecks in Bitcoin, and just like, bro, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> that's you can't at the end of the day you can't right oh, what's right. his name did that uh, what's that guy Odell Beckham he did that he took a salary yeah. in Bitcoin he took yeah. a huge loss too that was crazy but see yeah. uh, see that's see that's not necessarily uh, true immediate loss but yeah you're right yeah see see it was somebody wrote an article about that and I actually went on a um, radio show and discussed it mm-hmm. there was there was some major flaws in, in what was stated because they used the overall base salary which you don't get at one time. NFL players are paid weekly, right? And the taxes that are they? yeah, yeah, yes. bro. Like yo, yeah, game by game, yeah, by game and stuff. Yes. Yeah, they yeah, they pay by game. And then um the way that they are actually paid too, the taxes vary by the state that mm-hmm. they're paid in. Absolutely. So you you're not gonna get everything taken out as a lump mm-hmm. sum, and then not all of it is is able to be converted. At one point in time, and if you're doing an actual conversion and it's happening weekly, that means that you're getting Bitcoin at the price that it is currently and not at the price when you first signed the contract. Part Mm -hmm. two to that piece is even in the articles and things that were written, that were assuming and assumptions came up a lot. OBJ could wind up being one of the greatest investors at this point in time, especially converting to, to lower prices right now. So it was just a whole bunch of flaws in that. But um, yeah, with Eric Adams, man, it's more or less the same. And to me, talk is one thing, but talk is cheap. And until laws and things start to really come up and he puts his the legislative piece there, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not just for people being like the trendy thing or... I'm in competition with the other mayor for Miami and blah, 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 blah. Shoot, lower taxes for people in New York. Make New York a more tax um, crypto friendly state. Let's start there versus I'm just going to take my taxes or I'm going to take my 
my paycheck in crypto. And I mean, even for like the drill rap scene and things like that, taking it back there, it's still about a whole bunch of money and resources that have plagued our people. Let's start there. How can we make living situations more equitable? How can we start to fix things up? How can even these people have a meeting together to make sure that their families have insurance policies? Mm. I'm pretty sure at some point in time that the industry probably has insurance policies taking on these rappers and stuff like that because they know that their life is going to be taken. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's what you're in. Right. They're not about to just sign you and then not have any form of, of, of guarantee to me, right? I don't know right. exactly. I'm pretty sure I could find out because I got people in, in the industry I could find out, but that's not even questions and topics that I, I really entertain too much. I mean, I think about like T. Dot Wu, who just got killed the day mm-hmm. after signing the record deal. Yeah. They were talking about that kid, right? It was, um, okay. I think that was the reason why Eric Adams proposed the band because of because of that kid getting killed. But yeah, that's that's my take. Eric Adams, uh, one of the same. Yesterday, I said this in a in a radio interview too. Is that Democrats, no Republicans, really care about black people, and we're gonna have to wake up to that fact. Yeah, right. statistically, black people do better under Democratic leadership. But again, from the sixties, we're in the same place, if not worse. In many of the key areas, yes, income has went up. I said that before. Wealth stagnant, decline. Uh, we're about to be to zero wealth in the next estimated fifteen to thirty years. Um, so what what are we what are we really doing? It, it's not a lot to be proud of in that in that instance. No matter who is in office, because if we don't have the resources to support our community, then we're gonna be in the same place. Black labor, white wealth. That's it. But yeah, tell Eric Adams um, to talk to the people. You know, let, let's have some more favorable legislation as far as crypto is concerned, and then we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Adams wouldn't even know where to start with cryptocurrency, honestly. You think he's like well versed in that? He ain't well versed in much. <laughs> Every time he talks, nah. this man don't know what he's doing. He don't know what he's talking about. Nah. Well worse than being I a mean, fit. Facts. He a fed too. He a whole fed. That's the, that's the other part. He a whole fed. I think he's learning about some things. Well versed, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's another key piece as it relates to even crypto regulation. You have people that are continuously looking at the crypto space through the traditional lens and then imposing things that are not even possible or wanting to do things and they say it, but it's just like, bro, like you're just saying this to say it because it sounds good. Like you don't, mm-hmm. yeah, like you don't really, you don't really want this as well. Um, I was looking at uh, a can, a Canadian government article and whatnot that was posted, and they had asked this company to freeze Bitcoin wallets and dis- disclose okay. user information and stuff. Right. That was just like, bro, like, yeah, and it and and the team basically. Told them, shoot, like we can't do this. We don't collect that information. This is not information that we even have. And this is this is self-custody. Like we don't have the information and we don't have that power to do so. So when it comes time for people and, and regulators to really start to do certain things and oh, we're gonna protect the people, or oh, we're gonna do this, it's like, nope, you can't. And that's not something that our service can do either versus decentralized entities such as banks and stuff. They can easily freeze your account at any point in time. 
Mm-hmm. Or the mayor of a city or somebody like that can declare a natural disaster or martial law or, you know, whatever the case may be. Not necessarily the mayor, but y'all get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, then things look a little crazy. But if you are outside of that system somewhat from a financial perspective, then it works a little bit different. And how many of those people really understand that and are actually willing to embrace that? Because many of them are friends of financial institutions, um, of banks, or of the prison system, which is a whole nother financial institution within itself. Mm-hmm. You don't want change in that regard. And I don't think Eric Adams really and truly wants significant change. He wants the change i.e. the money, but not to be the change. Yeah. That was a bar. Hey, Ryan, uh, you, sh- you should write some, you, sh- you should write some <laughs> bars, man. You're pretty good, though. I'm not going to hold you. Like, you've been spitting this whole episode. I'm like, damn. <laughs> Kayla's just like, mm, mm. like, that was another one, honestly. So, uh, Bel Air is officially out. Moving on. What you mean, moving on? I wanted to ask you if you've seen it. You ain't Will seen Smith's it? not in it. I'm not into it. M- moving on. That's crazy. They made it a drama. What is going on? Will Smith is not in it. That's crazy. I'm good. That's crazy. Miss me with it. It's not good. <laughs> I mean, I feel the and same, but I thought you would support it because you're a Carlton, fan. Ain't Carlton doing drugs or something in it? They got a battle rap in it. He's wild. Uh, it. He's like a... I'm not into it. Self-deprecating kind of person. Not uh, into it. That dude, yeah. do not, he's not Will Smith. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. They got some light skin boy. They're like, oh, you'll be, you'll be Will Smith. And it's like, him? Gumby? <laughs> light skin Gumby? Nah, I'm good. Oh, nah. All right. Moving on, man. We can get all this up. Damn, you feel that strongly about it? You're not not into it. As soon as I seen, the, I heard about the trailer. Not into it. Why the drama? Fresh Prince of Bel Air was a comedy that had dramatic elements that were guide that were guys in the in the space of comedy. You right. get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a lot of the best shows that you watch have like it's not over. It's not heavy handed. In the, this is heavy handed as fuck. I'm never I'm never into heavy handed execution when it comes to television and what we engage in as media. Mm-hmm. Making something dark and gritty does not make it better. Shouts right. out to DC um, <laughs> movies because they all like that. Made them dark and gritty and none of them shits work. Well, I mean, Peacemaker Except is Watchmen. And Watchmen work too, but Peacemaker is is, is, is sardonic and cynical. Mm-hmm. It's almost looking at itself as parody, so it's not exactly a drama. You get what True. I'm saying? Yeah. It's so over the top that it's like humorous. This is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same thing with Watchmen when Watchmen came out. It was bad when everybody said it was bad when it first came out, but now when you watch it when, later on, it's like, this shit is fire. Zack like, Snyder's like, best like, work easily. Yeah, it's a, it's a masterpiece. You get what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, that's what I mean. Just because it's gritty doesn't make it good. That's that, And that's what they're doing with Bel Air. Let's make it adult and mature. Why? And dark. Stupid. Yeah, dark, and dark shades for no everything. reason. Dark no every reason. I know the whole thing is poorly lit. That's how Philadelphia look. Oh yeah. All right. We're Meek Mill at and Gunsmoke. I don't see no niggas riding around <laughs> on the fucking dirt bikes or four wheelers. What's happening? Yeah. What talking about, man. It's like all American. They just gave Will Smith, they just gave the first Prince of Bel Air the all American rebrand. It's that's, trash. that's what it was. It's not, it's not very good. You're right. Uh but speaking of trash, Cyberpunk 2077. Um the wow. next gen version is out. And what? Uh, I haven't heard about the reviews yet. It's not bad, dude. I'm not gonna hold you. It's actually a playable game. So if you were to buy it, you should buy it now. <laughs> you can actually play it and have a, a decent time. Like it's not bad. I think it's on sale for like thirty bucks or some shit. Thirty? Damn! I should have wait. I should have got it when it was on uh, like for five dollars. It was free. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I it with. Whatever. It don't matter. I might cop. You can download it for like seafood. five hours and like have it just play as long as you want for five hours and still like you know you can probably beat the game in five hours honestly. I mean, no, I'm not gonna. If I get my, I'm bad. But uh, I'm still yeah. playing seafood, bro. I'm on stage four. Oh shit! I I gave up after like second stage. I was like, all right, let me. I started playing Cyberpunk. That's what it was. I didn't give up. I just paused it for a second. Went back to Cyberpunk. But yeah. So, how old are you now? 
I'm okay. So forty five. Here we go. I got to <laughs> sixty. All right, so Mr. Lawrence still hit my bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. So boom. So yeah. So we playing. I playing a game called Sifu. Sifu is about this. Um, he plays this, this karate dude. His master gets killed by a former student, and then you you're going through these five different stages to fight these bosses that killed his master. Right. The crux of the game, the whole um point of the game is like you're trying to beat these people, but every time you die, you can bring yourself back to life, but you age as you die. Right. So that's almost going back to the idea what we were just talking about earlier in the episode about um, time and stuff like that, right? Um, I fought this lady till I was age 65, bro. Oh, the, la- shit. the lady with the fuck, she had a fucking <laughs> k- katana blade. So she beat the shit out of me. I joined you, that state. You died like 75. Wait, right? wait, 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 man. Let me tell the whole story, man. <laughs> I beat the first two stages and I was on age 24 when I joined oh, the third stage, bro. So I'm Damn like, oh yeah, I'm about to right. beat her. I'm like, I'm like, when I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna beat her when I'm like 35, maybe. She might be kill me 10 t- like four times. 65, bro. And she beat the shit out me the whole time. And I still didn't win the fight, bro. So I, I actually did beat her eventually at age I, I started again, beat her at age 50. Right. So did you do the high and low guards? Like, what did you what, what happened, bro? Her second form, she throws stuff at you. And then she also you gotta got grab it. You got you got I didn't you have that. Gotta, I didn't oh my god. Move. So look, look. So I was fighting her regular first, just dodging everything. I got real good at dodging the projectiles, her regular combo, but she will always mix me up with the up down 50-50, where she can go like a high move and a low move, and you don't know which one she's gonna do because it looked the same, the lead up the same. So I'm like trying to do that, and her first form would give me the business. Then her second form was way easier, but she had like an unblockable move that I wasn't dodging right. So she kept taking away all my health, so she kept killing me like one hit. So I'm like, I'm, I'm in here. This was before the interview, too. Like when Mr. When Ryan came, like I'm like in there, I'm tight. I'm like, so when I get on her, I'm like, fuck, because I was already bad. <laughs> I was tight. So um Yo, I beat the stage. Wild, but I, <laughs> so I was hit. But I first came in, I was a little frustrated. I'm like, because I was trying to fight her again. I'm like, man, I gotta do this fucking podcast. <laughs> good thing the episode, like it was good. You know what I'm saying? We had a good time. But it's like, yo, I was tight at first. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm planning again. But I'm on fourth stage and uh, I'm starting off at age 24. I'm gonna beat this. Uh, I'm gonna beat that that stage. Like, let me level 30. That's the goal. I'm gonna look up some on YouTube. But it's real good. The game's real good. I figured out how to level up now too to keep my moves because I, I wasn't doing that at first. I was just buying shit. Randomly. Yeah, you gotta unlock yeah. it twice. So yeah, that multiple times. Multiple, actually, five times. You got power value move five times, bro. What? Yeah. To own it, you gotta buy it five times. Yes, some of the moves cost five thousand, cost a thousand dollars a piece. It's ridiculous, but mm. I'm gonna do that shit anyway. Um, yeah, but that's me. So. Anywho, what else? Let's move on because I'm just a little frustrated with that shit. Anyway, it's annoying. Do y'all watch Atlanta by any chance? Y'all watch Atlanta? Both seasons. I don't know, Miss Ryan. You watch TV, bro? You don't watch TV, do you? Not really. Nah, son. Um, you, you know you what? What I you <laughs> 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 read books? <laughs> what you read? <laughs> Barnes <Man>. and Noble. <laughs> Yo, no, no lie, man. True. I tell people this and, and they don't quite believe me, but I actually do on some level wish and they say don't wish for it, work for it. But I do wish on some level that I would read more for leisure, but I, mm-hmm. I really don't. Bro, I only work. read things that interest me. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I read a lot, but I don't read in terms of the things that most people read or like some people would be like, yeah, I just read for fun. True. Yeah. I mean, I don't just randomly pick up stuff and be like, yo, this is cool. Like, or I, I want to read 50 books in a year. I hear people say that. I'll be like, yeah, I do like that's, that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, like that, that sounds cool, but shoot, I would rather read about things that 
that interest be. And, and that's what I that's what I go with. So my grandmother, though, she read a lot. Um, cool. my, my sister, she reads a lot. My niece reads a lot. But it seemingly skipped me and my nephew for the whole re- <laughs> bro. It, it definitely skipped me, man. For as, read books. For as, I ain't read no books. <laughs> for, <laughs> when it for, came, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, bro, like they, they would literally just read any and everything. And to me, like I would read stuff about history or mm-hmm. collecting coins and things of that nature too. Like that was another whole thing. I, I even look now, yeah, yeah. yeah, bro. I even look now, and and I have I have like my coin collection and stuff up here, and and got like a three cent piece. So sometimes I tell people, I'm like, yo, did you know that the U.S. government used to make three cent pieces? They were like, nah, I never seen that. And then I could show them something from mm-hmm. 1868 or from 1853, or I can mm-hmm. show them what is called a war nickel and give them a historical account and say, man, shoot, ask your grandparents or your great grandparents, have they seen this or a zinc nickel? But I cannot tell you anything that they talking about in books or movies or anything. I ain't got that. I, <laughs> I ain't got that. But I will tell you one TV show that I watch is called Blacklist. Oh, you watch Blacklist? You watch Blacklist? Yo, come on. Yes, sir. You watch Blacklist? Bro. Yes, sir. Come bro, on, bro. Bro, that's my show. Oh, my God. James What's Spader. Every James time. Spader? James yeah. Spader? James. The, the main character, dude? Yeah. Raymond. Woo! Raymond. That's right. Yo. Raymond. Yeah, man. Woo! That's a good show. Huh? Yo, come what on, What are we talking bro. about? Oh, I, listen, I'm not going to hold you. I couldn't. The last season when she became, you know, at odds with him, not mm-hmm. my favorite little twist. They, I'm like, what's happening? She's not as good mm-hmm. as James Spader. Why is she the lead now? What is happening? She not yeah. good. Why she she gonna betray this man that basically saved her life multiple seasons back to back for some random spy dude that impregnated her? She sh- he shot the club up and now she gonna betray James Spader? What's happening? And then he tries to say <laughs> he's not even he's not even a real Raymond. Blah, blah, blah. What are we talking about, man? Like that that's my show. Blacklist. That's my show. I like that show a lot, bro. That's strategy, all that, man. But um, as far as authors go, man, Zane, top of the list. Uh, Zane, you ever heard of Zane, Brian? You ever heard of Zane? Man, Zane that's, books. That's if you want to read for pleasure. Yeah, that's literally what pleasure. that is. It's, it's all erotica. Don't read that. <laughs> it's a waste of your time, bro. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like those bully books, but they were what was it like? Those uh black story books by who? Some shit. Walter. It was D. like Myers? nah, some shit. It was you know I'm talking. I'd be like the cover, like this gang member. Yeah, There's yeah, like yeah. this kid crying and shit, have his face. <laughs> it's like. Surviving the day or some shit. Like every day I go home, the same nigga try to beat me up. And you look up to Arthur, it's a white dude. Don't read that shit. That shit is. Hey, black, Zane that white, Zane black. Do we know that for sure? Yeah, Zane is a black woman. A hundred percent. You look Zane up. You I'm telling you, Zane look, it, like? look it up, look it up. I bet you Zane a black woman, bro. Uh, yeah. Sure. You never you never heard of Zane books though, Brian? Zane? Nah. Like in the early two thousands? <laughs> nah, like, bro. I'm not even gonna hold you. Maybe, maybe I did. Maybe I seen, heard of it, but you probably, probably, probably yeah. saw girls reading them Jones in high school. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. Oh seen. wow, yeah. she. I knew she would look like this. Son. She like Mrs. Puff Man, from SpongeBob. I'm about, to, bro. I'm about to look up this person right. Look up Zane Arthur Z A N E. She's like Mrs. Puff and Mrs. Puff with brown. Bro. I feel bad because oh it's like she be writing books about like Zane Arthur like, books. Slim, yeah, son, son. She look like oh yeah, like Ursula, author of erotic fiction novels. She is best known for her novel Addicted. Addicted, wow, and we were just yeah. talking about people being addicted earlier. Yeah, they talking about another dick. They talking about is, another dick. It's an emphasis on that for her books, bro. I'm telling you, 
Emphasis on the DIC part of it, bro. That's what she's talking about, man. Yo, my mom used to read them books, bro. That shit is blowing my mind right now. Backbreaker. Everybody got... It's like, imagine (laughs) if if Tyler Perry made porno. That's Zane books. 100%. That's the best... That's the best definition of what Zane has. 100%. 100%. That's what it is. I I swear, that's not perfect. That's perfect. It is, though. If Tyler Perry made porno, it would be Zane books. It would be Zane books. All it is is women being distraught. Niggas in baby oil and fuck it. And that without the guy graphic from Village. Yeah, graphic detail and Christianity. It don't make no sense. What's happening? None of it makes sense. Wow. Yeah. And the crazy part, I'm, I'm I'm looking at this right now that this person went bankrupt in 2014. That's crazy. Zane went bankrupt. After selling, yeah, after selling all of those um novels, they said Zane, who has sold millions of steamy novels, claimed assets of 1.4 million and liabilities of 3.4 million. Arthur Zane filed for bankruptcy as her new movie addicted. And that's Damn. that part. Damn. Well, this, she, this, she, this, this was years ago, though. Years ago. Yeah, she might so I don't, we, don't, we don't know where she's at right now. Well, usually when people go bankrupt, I thought there's a way to protect your actual income, right? Like 50 Cent claim bankruptcy. Remember when? Yeah, had, I mean, uh, yeah. It's like a rich thing yeah. that you do to save your assets in our life. Yeah, it's definitely different types of bankruptcy, too. Um, yeah. But we're not even going to get into that. But yeah, but that's crazy, though. 3.4 yeah, million in assets, but only 1.4 million at that point in time. That's 2014, of course. Like mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I was just looking it up, but yeah, wow. Hey, speaking of taxes, <laughs> speaking of taxes, yes. at that point in time, they said that she owed 900 thousand in federal and state taxes in 2014. Damn, damn, that's the bankruptcy. That's nuts, bro. Oh my god, 900 of things to the feds. 900k. It's about to be jail time. <laughs> like, you have to go to jail, bro. That's she gonna be. In, she gonna that's be in crazy. Her own Zane book. It's gonna be an all woman Zane book called Scissor Me Timbers. Come on, Hey, <laughs> moving on, man. <laughs> y'all. Anyways, man. That, that's 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 2014 now, y'all. That, that's info from 2014. Anyway, it's, it's outdated, but crazy. it was it was just hey, maybe, something. Maybe her bid. Maybe her bid's over, man. She pulled a Wesley Snipes, got out. Maybe she got might have got out last month or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like Wesley Snipes, he got out at this time and came back, and now he's doing Netflix movies. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, we talking about David Dave Chappelle. Yeah, man. Speaking of Netflix, he um he bounced back from that backlash, and now he's going to be hosting and producing four new comedy specials. Uh, titled Chappelle's Home Team, which is going to feature a lot of the, the comedians he's worked with in the past, like Ashley Larry, et cetera. So nice. uh, that's interesting. Like, it's interesting to see that Netflix is like, we actually going to double down on our supporters. And folks are talking about. Yeah, because uh, the bag. Talk about. Yeah, it's a guaranteed success. Like, what yeah. we haven't lost with Dave Chappelle, and we're going to continue to win. So that makes Shout sense. Shout out to my alma mater, an uh, actual good uh, school. Yeah, we got in School of the Arts. Um, not, not Howard <laughs> University, a bad school. Um, but uh... stop on me, bro. <laughs> Like, nah, relax. <laughs> Put some respect on me. Thank you. But I continue, continue getting that off, please. <laughs> but yeah, but this this show, whole man. podcast about to just go dark. It's about to end. <laughs> just disrespect me one more time. Yeah, bro. He keep playing with me. Like, nah, don't yo, he like, yo, he like Southeast about to come out for real for it. Right? <laughs> like, he, keeps, he keeps taking these little jabs. It's funny, but 
I mean, you, that's why your bike tire about to go fair. flat. It is flat, man. It's already flat. Man. Y'all was cooking me at first. Oh, yeah, that's like y'all wasn't cooking me at first with my bike. Man. So, imagine me riding that bike, my big ass on that bike, man. What y'all talking just about, man? Y'all... You got the shoulders, hey, man. man. It's crazy. Hey, tomorrow, that's they, crazy. Say I, they say I like Turk off Tarzan when they when try to ride a bike looking like that, man. That's not what happened, bro. I'm not, I never I'm not... seen Tarzan. I don't even get that reference, bro. You never seen Tarzan before? Nope. Ryan, you seen Tarzan? No, nah. nah, I ain't seen Tarzan, nah. man. What the world? <laughs> I heard the soundtrack, though. That's the most important part. What? No. It is, though. Don't do that. Oh, look at Kiego lying on it us is, over though. here. Tell it we is, said though. That. We ain't say that. It's okay, bro. <laughs> That's you got, crazy. Man, you can ride your bike, man. It's fine. I ain't riding that bike, man. <laughs> you ain't with me. <laughs> Adrian, bro. Niggas ain't with me. <laughs> you ain't with me. <laughs> you ain't with me, man. Fuck Barbara. <laughs> I'm just for the Yo, <laughs> We do it for the Diego, hood. it's all good. You know, you can you can be like big timers. Everybody get your roll on. You can run on like <laughs> Diego. <laughs> nah, for real though. Like Jody hey. Pedley though that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> just so wow. Bite cuz. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Yo. <laughs> ah, baby boy. Wow. All right, man. Y'all been. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, okay, but I'm I'm, I'm being oh uh, shit. Okay. But yeah, Anywho, but shout out to Bill, man. That's what's up. I'm I'm happy. I'm he went to LA today. Was like, fuck y'all niggas. I'll be all right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you are children, and I'm an adult, and I can make jokes. You niggas just can't take jokes. That's basically what he said at New Ellington. Like he's 100 right. Two months ago, and I was like, he's that's facts. Yeah, he <laughs> was like, he's an adult. you're a bigot. You shouldn't say shit like that. That's crazy. I'm like, he's well, a comedian. That's his job. What the hell? <laughs> I was like, you kid, your kids, bro. I was in your position. I never would have ever thought to speak to Dave Chappelle like that. The hell, the new generation is very bold. I'll give them that. Is it bold um, or entitlement? Probably a little bit of both. Self indulgent, self self fulfilling, and self prophesizing. So, yeah, you know. Anywho. Yeah, Living in the Kanye West, uh, he apologized to Kid Cudi, which was amazing. Um, Got to start with that. Um, and Donda 2, as we mentioned earlier, would not be available on any streaming platforms. It will be sold exclusively through or streamed exclusively through his stem player. Um, and I'm not sure if that means that you can't buy it to listen to it on platforms. Like if you were to go to an Apple store and buy the album, if you'd then be able to listen to it on your phone. But I don't know what that means. Going forward, but we'll see because it comes out. I wait for it to be on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be everywhere actually. Um, it's yeah. only a matter of time until it probably gets released on streaming platforms. But on WorldStarHipHop.com. I mean, he's a signed artist. So you can't just not put your album up for streaming. Like it's going to end up there whether you like it or not. Unfortunately, but that's pretty cool though. That's a bold move. He actually made like 1.3 million in sales since like uh, as of last Thursday of like announcing that. So. Didn't yeah. Nipsey Hustle do the same thing though? Not like where he sold those mixtapes for like a ten thousand dollars pieces. Yeah, well, it was a ten thousand. It was a whole. It was a stack. It was bread. It was bread. Yeah, he made a hundred copies of it. It was. It was. It was, it was a G per tape. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. A G. Yep, yeah, yeah. right. It was a grip. Like for a hundred copies or something like that. And then Wu Tang did the Jay-Z same thing. Jay Z brought a few, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he brought yeah. like six or something like that. And then I, I think um, Wu Tang did the same thing when they sold their album for so, um, Shkreli. To the, yeah, who lost it? He actually it actually got put up for auction or whatever. Yeah, like maybe last year. So that's mm-hmm. funny. But yeah, man. That's what so happens to your assets when you're in jail because you're an asshole. But yeah. Um <laughs> did you see the genius documentary that came out? Bruh, Anyone of y'all? Bruh, that shit is fire, bro. I, I cried three it. times. I cried three times. I had to stop watching it, bro. I, I, don't, cried, uh, yeah. I don't know if you know Ryan. Uh Kanye West got a documentary on Netflix, bro. Man. Mm-hmm. Documenting his some... rise to stardom from the so, very not, it, beginning. 
it's not. Even, I mean, yeah, it's that, but it's more so just about the fact of just being motivated and doing stuff. It made me want to do stuff when I watched that jump, bro. Yeah, I literally was watching it like, man, I want to go do some shit. I want to become successful. I want. Nah, I want to yeah. be my best. I want to be my best self. How can I do? I want to be like Kanye West and have un no like it's unrelenting self belief. That's what it looked like. That's uh, it. Uh, Somebody that living a living embodiment of just belief in self, no matter what the circumstances that you're in. That's what it looks like, bro. But you know where he, he was, gets that from? He went home and spent that time with his mother. And it was like, you can see why he believes in himself so much because she believe in him. She planted those seeds, bro. Like yeah. she believed in everything he did since he was a kid. Like, yeah, that shit, bro. I started crying because I was like, damn, yo, I wish everybody could experience that love. Something like that. Yeah. You know fact. what I mean? Yeah. We would be yeah, better fact. off as people. Like, honestly. Yeah. Jeez, man. I was crying. Yeah, I know. I know. I was crying. I was in the dark. I definitely understand exactly what you're talking about. Like, I wish I had that. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had that. It's like, that's good, Kanye. That's good, Kanye. I was like, damn, yo. Wow, he lost this. You can understand why he spiraled so hard. Yeah, facts. Yeah. But if you haven't seen it, if you have some time, Ryan, I would recommend checking that out. It's a pretty good watch. Um, Yeah, because Ryan Creative, too, man. He He played instruments, man. Oh, really? Yeah, he did nice. What uh, what instruments do you play, Ryan? <laughs> I'll say I only play one, but nah. Um, uh, my my primary is alto and soprano sax. Ah, nice. He's play alto saxophone as well. Yeah, and then uh, I played tenor for a little bit too. Wrote mm. some music, and then uh, just out of convenience, I I play the keyboard and organ and whatnot like that. Little bass guitar here there too. This man said he played. He one said I played one instrument, like and it was like I play like five instruments. He's like, he, look, look, he, he said I'm, I'm French. My name's I'm uh, nice, Ryan. I'm yeah. actually French. I'm, I'm, I'm actually French. pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I'm I dabble. Nah, you know, like yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> man. You know, that's it. If a person asks me what I play, play, you know what I'm saying? That's that's what I play. But yeah, mm. I, I dabble on everything else. Most people nice. say I'm real nice on it, but um, okay, nah. okay. I might, okay. I might, you know, yeah. play, play, play a little chords, you know, do a couple of things. I could tell some people some music theory mm. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. This is F minor seven chord right here. F, A flat, C, E flat, you know, hit them with that. Uh-oh. Yeah, this Uh-oh. is two, That's five, right, one. That's right. You know oh, shit. Yeah, I ain't breaking out the yeah. scales. I hear you. Hey, skip it up. I could scat, you know what I'm saying? She pop up, wow, wow, we wow. Wow, wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. You know? When Make one of those cat commercials and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> I did a cat commercial. I'm dead. <laughs> Brian, when did I'm you like, uh, like, when did you start playing instruments? Like, was that something you took up in like high school for an art program, or is that something? You nah, man. Like middle stuff? school for real, for real, man. Middle school, yeah. She started playing. Um, started playing alto mm. in sixth grade, and you know everybody could play the drums and whatnot. So. I was going to play the drums, but then my band, I read it was like, nah, Mr. Wiggs, shout out to Mr. Wiggs. He said, nah, man, you can't actually play the drums. Uh, we need you on <laughs> saxophone. So that's what I, that's what I went with. Um, and it was crazy because my, it's like, we have a, a long lineage of people in the family that, that plays. And mm-hmm. my sister, it was actually her saxophone that we still had within the family. And my older sister, she's like 20 something years older than me. So still had her saxophone. Her saxophone was passed down to uh, one of my other family members who was a drum major in, in the high school band at that point in time. And then I wound up getting that saxophone playing it. I passed that to my niece as well. So it was it was cool. But she wound up doing the same thing I did. 
started playing different instruments and stuff like that. So she stopped playing saxophone after like two years then mm-hmm. wound up playing trumpet. She switched to that and she had an electric guitar at right. the house. So, yeah, so it was a whole bunch of stuff. So, yeah, so then I just started playing other things. So that that's when it all started. That's when it really all started. A lot of people in my family sing. I don't nice. sing. I'll say that part. I don't sing. I can teach people how to sing, though. Oh, really? I can do that, but so I can't. I cannot sing. Yeah, all it's all right. Mm. It's high. It's, it's like well. It's like well. <laughs> it's like well. Nah, man. But nah, mu- music has been good, man. I tell people, you know, music and math go hand in hand. For real, for real. Mm. It is, and that's yeah, a fact yeah. too. Yeah, that's a fact. Because for most people, once you once you really start to learn music and learn how to how to read music as well, it helps with a whole bunch of stuff. It's nothing like having an ear for stuff as well, because that's what really counts having the ear, being able to follow people, being able to match emotion. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's nice. that. One day, I told Diego, man, we're going we to have to get together. We're going to do something for the kids, you know, put on a little show and whatnot. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's producing. A yeah, menstrual bro. show. A menstrual show? <laughs> <laughs> nah, bro, come on, man. Come on, now. He's <laughs> wilding, bro. <laughs> they made Sambo makeup. Sambo get up like bamboos would be legendary. But um <laughs> man, boy. Oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, man, definitely. Yeah, we're gonna do some FL studio, some fruit loops. It's <laughs> her fruity loops. Yeah. Wow. Hey, listen, man. <laughs> some hits have been made on fruity loops for real. Hey man, he said fruity loops. Oh it's my a pretty god. Good studio. Yo, 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 that was that was the whole high school wave, bro. We used to yes, it was. be up in that, man. Oh yeah. Doing a thing, bro. Fucking all loop. my friends oh my had God. free loop beats. It was crazy. And it was like, these are all bad, but <laughs> you know, keep doing your thing. Y'all was in tech, right? Y'all was in tech. Yeah. Beats. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bro. <laughs> interesting. It was an interesting time. <laughs> and the crazy part back then, too, was like, I would... Um, I learned how to compose early on. So I would mm. start writing music. But I would write it in finale. Mm. Mm. Uh, and I don't even know how many people I should like heard, heard of that. Jake, but yeah, finale, yeah. Yeah, man. Finale, bro. I used to write in finale, man. And do a whole bunch of stuff. Like it, it was cool. It was, it was real cool. But Did you ever go to art school? Nah, mm. man. I'm a, I'm a, this is a side note, too. For the longest time, I really thought that I was going to go to school for music. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was for the longest time. Like I already knew that that was going to happen because I was involved in tours and doing different things like that. I used to play at like Kingdom and, and, and VA and then play at different places in DC as well and travel all up and down the East Coast and boom, like be playing. And then a person was like, yo, like, you don't actually have to go to school for music to be a musician. So yeah. I was just like, oh, that's shit. like that's like that's a fact. <laughs> like being a like, chef. that's a fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So then the person was like, yo, like you should really, you're really good at math. You should think about going to school for math. Never went to school for math, but I did do do chemistry as well. So I mean, I almost had a math minor. I, I will say that. But anyway, uh, that was that was a key piece, man. That was a piece. And even then, I would still play. And do a whole host of stuff and teach people music and host music clinics and workshops and things. So it was cool. I'm not yeah. too impressed with a lot of these beats that I hear now these days. I will say that. Mm. Yeah, too you know, repetitive. Wild, wild 
Yeah. But uh, no bridges, no breakdowns. Yeah. All the yeah, drum beats are the same. Drunk, literally. Drunk, the bass line's bad. Everything clip. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. To uh, have Chris send them some drums, man. You know, it's be all right. Chris, he ain't heard, he heard, he ain't hear, he ain't hear none of our songs. Ryan never heard none of my songs. What? <laughs> swear to God, he heard none of my music. Wow. <laughs> I, you know what? I kind of fuck with that because Kiego don't be pushing his music on people. He don't be like, "Yo, listen to the song. Listen to the song." Like, nah, bro. Well, here, I, sit, yo, listen to this. I, I think I heard one of your songs, man. Like Probably that was maybe it. One, maybe one. Yeah, yeah maybe one. Like I never yeah. played. I never played a song. Yeah, not yet. Dude has mad music. I'm so surprised you haven't done that. <laughs> But that's good though, man. I actually like that. You should send him some shit though. It's really good, man. Like, I'll send you something. I send you something, Ryan. I'm gonna send you something. Yeah, man. I'm gonna do some music together. I'll that play. Way. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That would be we'll put some fire, stuff together, actually. bro. Do a tiny desk, a tiny desk concert. Yo, that'll be I'm heat. So right? I don't even. Yeah, y'all can go to DC at the NPR building. You know what I mean? Get it popping. That'd be tight. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Doing we'll be outside the NPR building. They might, should they might be like, yo, because Kiego is like a drummer, so they might be like, you know what I mean? You with the band? You be like, yeah. Come in and dress like Questlove. Have my hair picked out with a little nah. pick on my head. Black, mm. back, back you went to you immediately with the Questlove. That's crazy. You don't you yeah. never uh seen like the Free Nationals or like Anderson Pax people? Like, I don't yeah. Yeah. Them they, folks. Yeah, yo, they they dope, man. I don't listen to Anderson Pack. You should though, it's heat. I, I believe it. Christopher loves Anderson Pack. I don't listen to him. Why not? What's your what's your turn off? I listen to me. You know what I listen to. I listen to myself. <laughs> I listen to me. No, I see what you listen he to. He listen bro. to the voices Whoa. inside of his head. Yo, it tells him to I not ride to RJ that Payne, bike. Bro. <laughs> All day long. Because you know, on Spotify, if you're friends with someone, it'll 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 tell you who they're listening to and what they're listening to, like in real time. If you RJ Payne listens to RJ Payne. <laughs> All day long. I just be like randomly clicking over Spotify, just clicking songs. I'm like, what the fuck is Kega listening to? RJ Payne. I'm like, bro, still? <laughs> <laughs> bro, listen to some other shit. Like, this is crazy. Like, RJ Payne, Ransom. How in my day, RJ Payne and Ransom. <laughs> what we talk about? I'm trying to get my Son. bars up, man. I got some new bars for this boy. Man, I got, man. Because I told the kid they, they just can't curse. And they can't say the N-word. Everything else, go ahead. So I'm about to gun bar him to death. <laughs> We about to be in there wild. Gun bars, gun bars. Don't give these kids gun, gun bars. Gun bars. <laughs> Don't do gun that. Gun bars. Gun bars. Gun bars. Gun bars. It's about to be bad. Oh, man. I told them no cameras. I said no cameras, no recorders. Gun bars. Gun bars. Knife bar. Yo. Gun bar. Punch bar. Gun bar. Punch bar. Gun bar. Oh, man. It's not no, good. I, <laughs> I, I need to be there for that. I need to be there for that. It's about to be bad. Know what happens, huh? It's about to be bad. I've been telling all these kids, make sure y'all watch battles, man. Watch battles. I'm putting money up for the championship because it's going to be a real tournament, right? So the, the prize probably going to be like 20, 30 bucks, right? Okay. So that's, if you beat every round, you got to win every round to get the prize. So I'm like, yeah, it's going to be fun. I think it's legit. So all the kids writing, they got their matchups. I made the brackets. Everything's done. Kids is writing. People excited. I'm like, bet. So because some people, I already know it's going to be some clear body because some of these kids are not going to take it serious and they're going to get the, they gonna get the shit beat out of them. It's going to be bad because they got to stand up and stand in front of that and they ain't going to have nothing to respond with. It's going to be legendary. So, <laughs> Damn, ooh. I wish I was there. When is this going to be? Uh, Two weeks from when we get back. Anyway, I'm all, this is actually all jokes, man. We're going to keep it. It's going to be a friendly, polite battle. Um, These guys mm-hmm. aren't getting that. That was jokes. That's just bar. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. <sighs> yeah. But man, Ryan, thank you so much for coming through, man. I appreciated your time today. Um, you want to let the people know where to find you, 
um, and how to get down with uh, with Elite. Yeah, you can find me via email, the snail mail. <laughs> <laughs> Say nah via email at uh, this is my personal email, um, R Y A N dot D as in Delta dot Lawrence, L A W R E N C E at gmail.com. Or um, you can email the business at contact us at elite options investments dot com. But now nah, I appreciate y'all, man. This has yeah, been man. a lovely, Likewise. lovely talk. Likewise, lovely talk. Man. Yeah. Go ahead on and invest, you know, invest fast, get the money up and be great. That's it. More bars as he exits. Invest fast, <laughs> get the money up. I like it. I like it. But yeah, man, uh, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you need to reach Kiego, you can find him at K-E-A-G-O-E on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find myself at T-H-E-B-L-A-Q-G-A-W-D on most social media platforms, as well as the podcast at T-H-E-V-F-P-O-D. Thank you guys again for checking in, and we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.